cold start. It's Lopey. It's gas. Sure is. It's a V8. Sure is. Mm. That, my friends, is sweet. Music to my ears. That's right. Uh, I feel like it's a pushrod V8. That, my friend, is a 5.4 liter, 550 horsepower Mercedes SL55 AMG. Booyah! Oh, so it was overhead cam. <laughs> yeah, Man, that thing does not sound like a Mercedes at all. Sure, Why are we sure starting don't. the show with your Mercedes? I don't know. I just was uh, coming through my phone, and uh, I love that sound. <laughs> all right, I can redeem myself. What's How about this? What kind of engine is that? Idling. Sounds like something with a blower. You're close. No supercharger on that? There might be. There is. Does it accelerate ever? No, not in this clip, unfortunately. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to say it's the Duramax Super Turbo. That's it. Is that it? Is, that is a 7-liter Duramax with a 5-liter uh, Whipple supercharger bolted onto and it. And two turbos. Not yet. Oh, that's the, all blower. That's all blower. Yeah. Oh, interesting. We I are, wonder what that, uh, I wonder what a diesel would be like with a blower and no turbos. So you still have forced induction, mm-hmm. but there's no lag. Mm-hmm. What would Mr. Gail Banks would say about that? I mean, I know he's building it for mm-hmm. a special client, but I always wonder why, why uh, turbos on diesel and not superchargers? Uh, they just won't produce enough horsepower. Hmm. That's the bottom line. Because you just get to a point of diminishing returns with heat and all you're, that stuff? You're about six, 700 horsepower with the, with the five liter. Interesting. And yeah, a lot of heat. It's, we've got an intercooler sandwiched yeah. between the well, that's engine still, yeah, and the, but yeah. That's still a lot of air being compressed in that bad boy. So that's a lot of heat. Indeed. So the turbos are going on it right now. I have a, I have a different clip for you, Holman. Here's right. another clip. I'm this ready. is from outside the building. Is that from where the exhaust stacks are for the dyno? Sure is. It makes that much noise out there, or are you right up against the... Dude, 5,500 RPM on a Duramax. Damn. Oh, yeah. Sounds rad. Yeah. Sounds really rad. Listen to the very end, when he rolls off the throttle. Mm. Do you hear that? That is the sweet, sweet sound of horsepower, my friend. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think we're going to get close to 1,300 horsepower with the supercharger and the twin precision uh, turbos. Hmm. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm liking your style there. Two intercoolers to be- uh, uh, Two intercoolers? Two intercoolers. One between the turbos and the supercharger and uh-huh. one between the supercharger and the makes sense. intake uh, manifold. Uh, that is a lot of hot air going on in uh, probably a little space. Just like this podcast studio. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you know, uh, I think that's a good way to start the show, but uh, we can't forget to uh, talk about all the people that love us that we love back, so we should do that. You mean like Nissan? Yeah. Our presenting sponsor, Nissan, and their uh, brand new 2020 Nissan Titan and Nissan Titan XD. Got to check them out. By the way, did you see the one I had out in the parking lot? You mean the one that I rode in? You mean the one that I uh, shot the video in? Yeah, that did. one? Yeah, I hope to be sharing that video very soon. And I was going to put it on my YouTube channel, and then mm-hmm. you told me off air that uh, I had to put it on our YouTube it channel. It has to go on Truck Show Podcast. Yeah, because it is us, it, I guess. It, absolutely. we got to promote the show with it. And yeah. we got to you know take care of our sponsor, Nissan. So what do you think? Uh, first off, i got to say that I'm not typically a fan of tan or brown trucks. But this Baja Storm color, oh. 
She's it's, sweet. It's moody. It's almost ha- it almost has a uh, like a gray tint to it or something. Moody. It's really dark. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, I wouldn't have said moody, but yeah, I can it, see it, that. It reminds me of like uh, the desert on like a monsoon day, where you have the brown of the desert and like the dark storm clouds. It sort of has that vibe going for. Well, it. you know what? It's like um, the various a lot of sports cars are getting that dark gray, the yeah. clay colored. Yeah. This is the sand version of it, but it's Except not. Except. This has metallic in it. It does. A yeah. very light metallic, a, a dusting of uh, of Baja sand. And you know what I like, too, is that on this, um, you were telling me, I, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. I guess you told me a couple episodes and I wasn't paying attention. No, okay. They changed the logo colors for uh, a yes. few select Titans. On the Pro 4X. Right. It now has lava red for Nissan on a black metallic badge, which... They've never done before. That was a huge deal with legal that they were actually don't, changing don't the gloss, logo. Don't gloss over that. So, A, the the lava red is not red, and it's, it's like not a, orange. Yeah, it's like a it's right burnt between the orange. Two. Very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very unique. And the black metallic, not just piano it's not a black. black. Yeah, it's not a black badge. It's actually a black metallic badge. Right. And uh, very cool. And then there's a we had the Pro 4X. We also have a, a a blue Titan XD Platinum Reserve out there, which you should probably check out. And then the uh, you know the Pro 4X is cool because it has some accents, color, some contrast stitching. But what did you I think? love the stitching throughout yeah. the dash, the seats. Uh, what did I, you think of the uh, the new nine inch command center? Loved it. Loved it. Honestly, yeah. really, really enjoyed it. And I like that they uh, chose the just the right amount of knobs versus yeah there's still some hard buttons not yeah. everything is touched there's still other stuff so very in, tactile yeah very tactile. in a truck where you're bouncing around you still have a physical button for a lot of the functions which is which is cool and uh, of course that truck comes with a five-year hundred thousand mile warranty 5.6 liter dual overhead cam v8 with a uh, 400 horsepower 413 pound feet of torque that is the highest standard v8 horsepower in its class and uh i love the new styling all the led lights uh everything is just it's just a really nice truck the truck looks mean from the front. It's such a departure, even though like the the cab and the doors are the same as the you know 16, 17, 18, 19s. Just what they've done to it just really gives it a its own look, and it's just bur- more burly looking. And I just I'm just stoked. I love the way that I you know I had it in my driveway the other day, and I just was walking you know went on a walk with the family, I came around the corner, and went man that's a good looking truck <laughs> in the driveway. A good truck. But when we got on the on-ramp, and it's the same thing, yep. when I was telling you when I had it for a while and I took my kids for a ride, yep. and we did the whole beach thing and cruised around, I was in the passenger seat, which is the first time I've been in the passenger seat in a late model Titan, yep. and you just leaned on it, and I had the gar- the uh, the retaining wall on my right, yeah. and it just, wah, 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 and it just is, but oh, it's it throaty awesome. and growls, and it's not like, I don't know of any other truck on the market that has that sound. It's so quiet, but it really opens up when you get on it, and that nine-speed automatic, awesome. So it's, it's Wait, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do they use a valve? Like a, 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 I don't a, think so, no. How do they accomplish that? Uh, it's really good uh, exhaust tuning, people. Well, think about uh, V6s don't normally sound good, but Nissan has figured out on a 370Z or a GTR mm-hmm. how to make a V6 sound awesome. So imagine when you get handed a V8, uh, those guys are probably just you know lick, licking their chops, going, "Oh, let, <laughs> yeah. well, let us let us have it. Let's yeah. do it." So, uh, great exhaust note, great engine sound. Uh, if you're interested in the uh, Titan or Titan XD, you're looking for a half ton truck, head over to NissanUSA.com. By the way, and I'm super stoked they just updated the website. All new 2020 stuff. Oh, the the red Pro 4X right on the homepage. 
Yeah, it so looks sweet. it looks. Yeah. So yeah, go to NissanUSA.com and check out all the new features of the 2020, or just get down to your local Nissan dealer. All right, we also need to give a shout to our friends at Decked at Decked.com. Now, Decked are rolling drawers that are industrial strength. So not only not only can you pack all of your stuff, whether it's fishing gear, surf gear, construction equipment, everything in it, but you can put a quad or motorcycles on top, 2,000 pounds on the deck of a decked system. And that doesn't count uh, what you're putting in the drawers, which are also uh, weatherproof, lockable, in our smooth gliding with those Texas ball bearings. And, of course, if you have a check engine light, take off that piece of black tape that's over the uh, check engine light. Don't ignore it. Check Who out. rolls with that anyway? Uh, a lot of people. Black a lot of, tape, of people. Like duct tape over a lot the of people. Check Come out on. our friends over at Innova.com. <laughs> I N N O V A, Innova.com. They make a bunch of awesome OBD2 scan tools and dongles. They have uh, Bluetooth that'll connect with an app on your phone. And not only can you diagnose the problem and clear the code, it'll also tell you what parts people have used to fix that problem. So, uh, Innova.com, really awesome suite of OBD2 software. I N N O V A. A. It's like having your own personal automotive technician in your toolbox. Hmm. I wonder if uh, he's small enough to fit my glove box. Yeah, he's been banging on the inside of the toolbox trying to get out for weeks. No wonder of a check engine light, right? Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk to Mike Finnegan because it's the Finnegan again episode. No, it's the Finnegan again again episode. I see your Finnegan and I raise you again again again. I'm confused. <laughs> Let's just get into the show. The truck show. We're going to show you what we know. What the truck Cause truck rides with The truck show We have the lifted We have the lowered And everything in between We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel And the ones that run on gasoline The truck show The truck show The truck show It's the truck show With your hosts Lightning and Holman and Finnegan, one more time. <laughs> so, are we in love with his six-door ramp truck? Okay, so not only am I in love with it, but then I feel like I went on an emotional journey with him. I was following his Instagram and know, right? went through trials and tribulations. And uh, so we reached out and said, hey, you seem to have had quite the adventure picking that thing up. You want to come on the Truck Show podcast and uh, fill in our listeners on what really happened? And he's like, yeah, I'll come on. So, dial up Mr. Finnegan, please. What up? Hey, Mr. Dude. Mike Finnegan, Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast, calling you again. Hey, you tired of this yet? Never, never. Hey, we have a new intro for you. So, uh, this is different than the last four intros we've played, so I think you like it. Don't move. Here we go. Famous hero, star, VIP, ace, big wave, hot shot, truck famous, big shot, big deal, big gun, big cheese, heavyweight, superstar, truck famous. That's what you are. See, because now, Mike, you're truck famous. Whereas maybe you weren't before, but now, according to your bio, Holman, read that. Where did you find that? In his uh, his wiki? Or where was that? Oh, when we were uh, seeing what Mike had been up to lately. Yes. And, uh, and now he can be found on all these uh, celebrity like following websites like... Uh, Celeb Closet, and then when you go to Wikipedia, it says TV actor. And I'm like, that's a dude I just went out to lunch with a bunch when first started. What happened? I had no idea. Oh, yeah. And then we got a freaking picture of you and Post Malone, who's killing it right now in the rap game. Uh, what life are you leading, dude? That's, that's Post Malone in quotation marks. Uh, dude, <laughs> 
It wasn't the real guy. Oh, oh that was well, it. Oh, okay, he, got he, it. He was pretty convincing. No, so that was Halloween during SEMA on Fremont Street, which is where I like to chill on Halloween. And, nice. Uh, and I, I, I got drunk allegedly with Post Malone, Tupac, Rick James, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. uh, lowercase Mr. T. And, oh, lowercase. Uh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I had a good time down there. Now, were, were you I, hanging with Mini Britney? I didn't see Mini Britney. I was disappointed. Do you know that Mini Britney and Mini Gene Simmons are the same chick? I did not know that. Yeah, my buddy Brad dated her. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> she took an awkward turn. I know, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I feel bad because last time you were on, uh, your brand new TV show, Faster with Finnegan, launched like a week later, and I think we totally forgot to talk to you about it. Well, and- we, we mentioned it, but we didn't know what was coming up. We asked him, like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's going to be a great show, and that's really all we got well, into it. And then we, we did a, uh, a like a press release or a release on Truck Trend and Four Wheeler because there's some cool stuff like the S10, and, and we're like, oh, maybe we should have talked to Mike about that. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's my fault. I'm really not very good at the whole self-promotion thing. So flash forward, you've got, uh, is it six episodes that are now out on Motor Trend? And yeah. so you brought back the Dragwar. You've got some famous vehicles in there. You've got new vehicles that no one's ever seen before. You're hanging out with guys like Cletus McFarlane. And uh, that didn't end so well for that car that you were racing, right? <laughs> Let's, uh, I'd like to tell that story and then talk about the success of the show because it's a great show. Sure. Yeah. So the basis of this show is that I don't know what I'm doing, Um, you know, not just in life in general, but also (laughs) in the show. The producers set the whole thing up and uh, and it's got a formula. We're going to go racing. They're going to give me one hint. I go buy a car on a budget. And then the day we start filming, I get a text and we go to a location and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who's going to meet me there. I don't know what kind of car they're driving. And I don't know what kind of racing we're doing. So invariably, it's fish out of water. I get there. I've bought the wrong car almost every single time. And uh, I go there, get my butt kicked at whatever kind of racing we're doing. Then I get two days in my home garage with my two best friends to upgrade whatever we lost in and then go back and have a rematch. And it's been amazing because I didn't know Cletus McFarlane was going to be there. I didn't know he was going to be driving the Dragwar that day. He didn't know he was going to be driving the Roadkill Dragwar that day. And so lots of surprises, which is like the most interesting part for me personally about the whole show is that I, I genuinely don't know what's happening. And I like that sort of thing. So let's talk about that. Uh, give us kind of the backstory and how that went down, that uh, particular race. Where, what, what, what racetrack was that? What was the matchup? And then what, how did the car get wrecked after the show aired? Okay, so it, the entire show is filmed in Georgia, where I live. And uh, Georgia is a magical place that has 18 drag strips, and most of them are eighth mile. So on the day we started filming, I went to a place called Paradise Dragway, which is about an hour from where I live. And it is an amazing vintage drag strip that is actually uphill. Like, you can sit there at the starting line, and if you take your foot off the brake in a clutch car, you're rolling backwards. And um, the NHRA actually ran a national event there back in the late 50s, early 60s, I think. And so I arrived there, and I have bought an 86 Ford Thunderbird. And um, they perfect, had given perfect me car, a, perfect car. Perfect car for a, uh, drag racing. Was it a turbo? Four-cylinder? Uh, no, no, not a turbo. It's a 302 V8, nice. fuel-injected. Uh, so that was, was the Ford version of like the, uh, the Lincoln Mark 7 at the time. Yeah, and it was like, uh, you know, back in 86, it was rated at like 
250 horsepower or something. Uh, paid 2300 bucks for the car. I bought it only because of nostalgia. When I was a kid, my dad had the exact same car, and I thought the hint they gave me was fast in a straight line, so I assumed drag racing. And so for once, I was correct about it, and I was like, well, you know, it's a Fox Body platform. It, it's basically a Fox Body Mustang a little bit longer. And so I was like, we can make that fast. We can do a lot with this. So I paid 2300 bucks for it, showed up, and as I get out of the car over the PA system of this drag strip, I hear Cletus's voice. And I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> this is going to be amazing, right? And so in the middle of the drag strip is something under a tarp covered in boxes. You can't tell what it is. And so Cletus comes down out of the booth, high fives, and then we find out what's sitting there because he doesn't know what he's racing. I assumed he'd be there with one of his cars. He wasn't. So pull the tarp off, find the roadkill Dragwar. And so now we have the Dragwar, which is like supercharged small block, makes about 600 horsepower. It mops the drag strip with us by like, <laughs> if I remember right, three or four seconds in an eighth of a mile. Oh, my like it God. Just, just destroys <laughs> this stock T-bird. Now, did you, and, did you know Cletus prior to that uh, meeting? Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Okay. We, we've done some stuff together on my YouTube channel, Finnegan's Garage. We've raced our diesels against each other. Like, um, He's just uh, literally one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Like, uh, Just a good guy. And so I was stoked to find out he was going to be on the show. And, and so we, and we he raced. was equally as surprised to find out that he was racing what he probably also considers a legendary uh, car in the Dragwar. He was fired up because he, you know, he knows the Dragwar. That's one of roadkill's most famous abortions and uh <laughs> he didn't know it was going to be there so he was stoked to drive it and he loves the roots blowers and you know engines sticking through the hood so it was right up his alley so he kicks our butt we go home and then in my garage over the course of two days we weld the spider gears in the diff of the stock four lug rear end we Ooh, what take... is on that is that a 7.5 or an 8.8 that's yeah those... no little little tiny seven so and a half seven and a half like, four lug yeah Woo. yeah sh shouldn't have lasted but it did <laughs> nice. um we pulled the fuel injection off the motor left the entire long block completely stock right down to the valve springs and just stuck a roots blower on it um <laughs> which is a great idea let me tell you and so you know because we're we're trying to stay under about 10 grand on all these builds that's all we did. We did a supercharger, dual carbs, and a fuel system. Trans was stock. Rear end was stock. We put a pair of shocks on it. That's it. We went back there and smoked Cletus. It was awesome. I beat him. We actually switched cars at one point. I beat him in all three cars. Nice. Which is really it. But, or I beat him three times in both cars. So he's upset about that. Um, that means there's a, a potential rematch in the future, I would imagine. Yeah, well, in our personal lives, we're now even. Like, he kicked my butt <laughs> at uh, Atlanta Commerce Dragway. Um, he has a diesel-powered Ford Galaxy. I have a diesel-powered Ram truck. We went heads up at a drag strip. He beat me there. Then I beat him on Faster with Finnegan. I think we're tied right now, so we'll you, need a rematch. Do you suspect that you're going to hang out at his new track? What does he call The Freedom Factory or something? Oh, yeah, I've already been there. It's oh, you awesome. Have. Yeah, dude, what he's done is basically fix the problem with every automotive content creators youtube channel and that is a place to do anything you want anytime you want he went out and bought an old circle track in God bless florida him. yeah oh dude it's amazing i went down there and we're all just standing around and, and it was it was like we're all just like well what if we did this okay let's just do that and the next <laughs> thing you know a monster truck was jumping from the infield over the grandstands <laughs> like 
golf carts are doing wheelies. Like there was a helicopter. It was crazy. I, I was lucky enough to be there for the day he unveiled it. It almost and, sounds uh, like a uh, like a video game in real life or something. Yeah, dude, it legit is. It's it really yeah, Nitro is, you know? Circus, but without uh, the lawyers. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, that's the only thing that you have to overcome. If I have to see another freaking YouTuber go, well, magically we're in Mexico again, and then they blur out. They they say they're in Mexico, and then they blur out the dashboard, so you can't see they're doing 170 miles an hour, and you go. I know you're in San Diego, <laughs> like, like uh, come on. So he he created this Disneyland of sorts for for motorsports. Yeah, for motorsports. Yeah, yeah, and it gets better because it's next door to his favorite drag strip, and oh. the owner is one of his best friends. Oh, that so, makes it way way better. Whether you want to goof off in a circle or in a straight line, he's got the real estate to do it now. Man, and, lucky bastard. And, and, and we're all gonna benefit because he's already let like I don't even know a dozen YouTubers in there to film their stuff for their channels. It, it's magic. But hold on one second. We we've got to talk about something lightning. Want to talk about was that um, T Bizzle, the T Bird from that episode of Fast. Yes, Finnegan, yeah, yes. Went on to go be a part of a roadkill shoot that began at Mount Rushmore, where I did a patriotic burnout in front of. Uh, Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson. What's the difference between a uh, patriotic burnout and a regular one? Well, uh, you don't get a permit. Which I think <laughs> is very uh, super American thing to do. You just you just take it. You just take and, your um, opportunity and go for it. Yeah. So uh, so we did that and uh, filmed an episode of Roadkill, and when it was all over, the car was fine, which is not normal. It was in one piece. It was headed back to Georgia because at some point we'll probably use it on Fast Road Finnegan again. And I don't know all of the specifics of. Is that the one that was this, on the car hauler? Yeah, I don't oh, know how this happened, but snap. apparently the op- the open double decker car hauler trailer flipped over. Oh with yeah. no! I did see that picture. I I didn't realize that that was T Dizzle. Yeah, I have no oh. idea how it happened, but T Dizzle and several other nice hot rods got completely totaled when this trailer flipped Yeah, T-Bizzle wow. is, uh, is is as... So basically, you've got the uh, intake sticking up above the hood on the 302. The uh, roof is the same level as the uh, blower intake. That's yeah. It's all bad. Yeah, like, Here, here's a picture. Yeah, no, I've seen it. It's yeah, all it's bad. bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's worse than John Candy's car in Plains <laughs> Transit. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Good so how did you it find is. out about it, the wreck? I love it. So I'm in Kansas City at an Autorama show. And I'm signing autographs, and Roadkill fans were coming up going, hey, did you hear about this? And I'm like, what? And they started showing me the photos. Because uh-huh. Roadkill fans spotted it on the side of the highway, and a bunch of other cars just totaled. And immediately put it on Facebook. And oh, uh, I so I, had, I, didn't, I didn't have my phone on me, but I could hear my phone just blowing up in my backpack next to me as I'm smiling and hugging and you know, <laughs> doing all this fun stuff. I had no idea that our car got totaled. You've got like a regular TMZ network of like of, of, of reporters. Of reporters Dude, that are it, out looking it, for it's, you. It's crazy. It got totaled not doing the intended way of getting totaled. It was just yeah, they, transport. Yeah, yeah. That uh, That's why... Nothing against whoever the heck was hauling it. Enclosed transport. Use somebody reputable like Pilot. Yeah. I'm telling you. Right, whenever sure. I use Pilot, car's fine. It's sad because not only is it pancake flat from the uh, from the fender up, but it also looks like it's twisted a little bit, sort of like a banana. Like the whole back of the trunk is droopy. Yeah, and the the, the one door is just peeled all the way back behind the trunk lid. Like yeah, it's, 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 it's totaled. So what is up with the damn six door? Inadvertently. Um, and I'm not in denial here. I got issues. I know this. But <laughs> well, how did you how did you come into possession of the six door? Because I know last time we talked, we were talking about trading up, and you've got the square body ramp truck and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I see your feed, 
and you're like, hey, six door, you know, six door uh, Ford. And it's like, okay, where did that appear from? But you so know what's what? The story. But so he started do he started smoking weed, and then the weed progressed into <laughs> blow, and then blow I'm progressed sure into heroin, true. and so now he's no, in, now I, he's got the heroin of no. vehicles, which is this giant six door ram truck. He did all the other ram trucks, right? You know right. what I mean? Well, okay, he's like, I got that going. So on. So you're saying a square body ram truck was the gateway ram truck? Yes. And now exactly you know he's saying. gone full blown six door. Yes. So so let's explain how. <laughs> oh, you, that's a euphemism from now on. Boy, he's gone full blown six door. Yeah. So, um, well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the drug reference, yeah, but but yeah, I, I bought the Roadkill '73 Chevy square body ramp truck and drove it cross country. Had a lot of fun with it, and then the Roadkill Maserati gets stolen, and I get worried. I'm like, oh man, like, all right, I can't really park this thing anywhere with, say, blasphemy on the back of it. It's it's open to the elements. Somebody could steal it pretty easily. So then I'm like, I need an enclosed ramp truck, but I like square bodies. So I find Big Red, which is like an 86 Chevy with a small block and um, a turbo 350. And it was kind of a bigger pile of crap and a bigger project than I anticipated. So I never did anything with it. Then I find Square Force One, which is an 89 GMC R30 enclosed square body. It's the longest thing I've ever seen. That's my favorite um, one, by the way. That's out, out I, of the ramp trucks. I love that truck. I love it. It's it's. It's only got 35,000 original miles on 80s it. 80s graphics, the whole deal. And it's got the great yeah. Square Force One is the greatest name for <laughs> a ramp truck ever. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's rad. And the Thank overhang you. on I, the I back feel... is like a 20-foot trailer by itself. Yeah, it's 38 <laughs> feet long with a single axle. I feel like I could be running the country while driving it. And uh, and it gets between five and nine miles per gallon. Oh, that's better than I thought. Things are going. It, it could be worse. It could totally be worse. But... It's probably over its gross vehicle weight rating. It probably is. Not sure. Really don't want to get any, even get into it if I ever get pulled over. But it probably is. And if I look at it, it might be a little bent in the middle. Just a little bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the enclosed ramp truck concept is a solid one. I love driving them. They actually drive really well. You're not hauling a trailer. If I'm in California, I can go faster than five. They rule. And because I've bought three or four of these things now, every day of my life, <laughs> someone's sending me a link to another ramp truck and any truck, any weird truck. I'm getting links to it. And so one day in my inbox comes this six door Ford F800 that only has 30,000 miles on it. And I'm like, it's not a ramp truck, but good God, it's got six doors. <laughs> yeah. I've never been in a truck with six doors. I kind of need to experience this. And, um, the ad said it was a Tennessee truck, and I'm like, well, dude, I'm next to Tennessee. This is going to be no big deal. So I tell my friend Dave Newburn, who works with me, we're going to go to Tennessee. We're going we're gonna to go look at this thing. Maybe we'll buy it. Except it turns out it's not in Tennessee. It's in Iowa. And the guy uh, in the ad, Right, because that's, that's, that's a huge difference. <laughs> Massive difference. And the dude's like, yeah, yeah, it's in Iowa. And I'm like – and I've kind of already committed to buying it before we actually got to that part. And uh, I'm like, well, shit. All right, well, what the hell? We're going to go. And so – I decide we're going to go to Iowa. Now it's time to figure out when can I actually do that because right now is a really busy time of year. So I go to my wife, and this is probably a week before Valentine's Day, and I'm like, hey, baby, Valentine's Day. Let's go do something. And, uh, <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> well, no, hey. So she's like, you know what? Valentine's Day is really busy. Let's go out the night before. We'll do something romantic. I'm like, Okay, funny you should say that. Valentine's Day, then I'm going to go to Iowa. I'm going to go out with you. I'm going to go out with you the night before. 
that'll be our little Valentine's Day. Then I'm going to go to uh, Iowa and fall in love with the truck. She's cool with it. My wife is a saint. So Newvern and I get on a plane Valentine's Day, super romantic, fly to Iowa. (laughs) And by pure coincidence, my friend Rob Kibbe, who I used to do my podcast with, is on the same flight. No No way. way. We know Rob. Yeah. He's on the same flight because he's on a business trip. Well, he lives in Iowa. So he's like, I'll just give you a ride from the airport. I'm like, dope. (laughs) So get get there. It's like minus eight or something. I mean, it's freezing. His truck, a a late model GMC diesel, won't start because it's so cold. So we end up renting a car. We go out to this dude's house. And um, I don't haggle over the price. Famous first words, by the way. We went out to this dude's house. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't haggle over the price. The truck is super clean, looks exactly kind of as advertised. You know, it's only got 30,000 miles. It looks like it really only has 30,000 miles. But there's a couple of things about it that just immediately set off my internal alarm. And the first thing is there's kitty litter under the truck in the barn that it's in. Well, and, there's uh, that. and he he explains the way is, oh, I just did full maintenance for you, changed every fluid, including the radiator. And I'm like, why the hell would you change the fluid in the radiator? But okay, whatever. <laughs> we go to test drive it and drive it around. It runs perfect. Get back, pop the hood. I smell coolant and the radiator cap is leaking. And he said, oh, yeah, it's just a crappy cap. You know, just get another one on the way home. And I'm like, Meh, all right. <laughs> so right, so right that, now your shyster alert is going off, but you're ignoring because- it. It is, because in the middle of the test drive, every time I floored it, the heater would shut off. Mm. Like, you'd have full blast heat, floor the motor, heater would go off. And he was trying to explain that as, oh, I think it's just a vacuum valve in the dash or something. And I'm like, maybe, maybe, whatever. And meanwhile, I'm falling in love with the six-door truck. It has a seven-speed Spicer gearbox. It's beautiful. Synchronized manual trans. 22 yeah, twenty-two five Alcoas. It's got a Cummins five nine diesel. It's completely stock. Oh. Um, runs great, and and it's just dude. It's got six doors. Can, like, it's can, awesome. It's, I, can I ask though? What is the what's the price range for something of that genre? Like, is no, this, no, 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 something of that caliber? Caliber. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> is this is this ten thousand or forty thousand? Or I I, can, I can't even. I have no clue. Well, you can't afford it either. Why do you care? But I'm just <laughs> I, well, I, honestly seeing how passionate he is over these Ram trucks. You want to go get yourself a Ram truck? I have no place to put it. Well, he has three or four for sale. You can. I'm sure you can. Yeah, oh, really I know. Is. Trade him the Mini Cooper and the SL Mercedes for one of Finnegan's Ram trucks. Can you imagine how Finnegan- small the Mini Cooper would look next to his freaking <laughs> six door? The Mini Cooper would fit on the back of this six door. It has sideways. A, it, has a, it has a fifth wheel bed on it that you can fit a small smart car on. It's that long. You need to crazy. do that. You need to when you go into town driving that thing. You need to crane <laughs> no, the no, little no, no, car. No, no. What you do is you the... bring your own car like a backpack, and then when you can't get in somewhere, you just roll the little car that's off, exactly and you continue on well, your that's, trip. Remember, that's what I was going to do with my dually. Is I was going to put the mini on the back of the dually, so when I go to like Vegas and uh-huh. you don't, you can't get any parking, uh-huh. you roll the mini off or whatever the car is, and then that's where well, you park the, the, the flaw in that plan is in Vegas. Then your dually disappears. Oh, that's true. And you're left with only a mini. Oh, wait, which is where you're at now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so getting back to, where do we leave off? The sixth door with Mike? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm on the, uh, you know, I get back from the road test. And there's a couple of things about it that, you know, they're a little alarming. But emotionally, I've already fallen in love with it. And the last thing that really tripped me was the dipstick for the oil level was secured in place with a, like a rubber bicycle inner tube. And oh, no. oh no! It was like it was holding it in, right? 
And I pull it out, and yeah, he's changed the oil, and everything looks fine. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, man, this thing must have a bunch of blow-by. Why else would the dipstick be secured like that? Right. And I and I actually say to him, and it's too late because mentally I'm already there. We're buying this thing. But I say to him, I'm like, hey, dude, like, what's up with the dipstick mount? And he's like, oh, man, that's commercial stuff. I'm like, commercial. <laughs> okay. Does he know okay. you, by the way? Has he figured out who you are that you actually know what you're looking at? That's the worst part of this whole deal. He's a roadkill fan. Oh, and, um, no. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, I tell him, I'm like, hey, I'm concerned about a couple of things about this truck. And he's, nope, it's ready for a cross-country road trip. You're going to be fine. I'm like, all right, man. I'm like, you know, the right, worst part buy. about it is Mike's like, yeah, I'll do a selfie for your kid and go to their birthday party and pick up all their friends at school. Wait, 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 wait. I figured this. <laughs> like, hold on a second. He's a roadkill fan. This yeah. whole thing is by design. It's a setup. It's a setup. He's like, "This is." I'm going to send this guy out thinking yeah. he's going to get home, and he's not. It'll and, turn into a TV show. And it, it, look, it did. It's turning into. It didn't make the show, but it's turning into Finnegan's real life. It's all over <laughs> social media. It's everywhere. It's on, on his YouTube channel. Well, sadly, my my real life mirrors Roadkill because this is I. I like I said, uh, mentally, I'm committed to buying it. I love it. I'm going to do it. And what I realized going into any of these things is. It's probably going to break down, but you know what? I'm probably going to learn something, and uh, it'll be an adventure, and you know, whatever. I'll, I'll make I'll make a YouTube video on Finnegan's Garage about it. So I buy it, and we hit the road, and 150 miles into the trip, the temp just pegs the gauge. Did it <laughs> like uh, a light switch? It pegs the gauge. And hill or anything? Cause it was it was it? Uh, would it get warmer they, well, outside the, or? The heater shut off, and the temp gauge pegged at the exact same time. Oh, and I. I pull over into the parking lot of a fireworks store and then just proceed to have this odyssey of how do you get a six door truck towed? You know? <laughs> oh, you don't, no one wants to. And if they do, it's 2000 bucks. Then in the background of all of this is we bought this truck, not told my friend Mike Cotton that we bought it. We've kept it kind of off social media at this point because I don't want him to know I bought it. Our plan was to drive to his place that night and surprise him for Valentine's day. Um, and just be like, hey, look, we're in town. We haven't seen you in a while. This is going to be awesome. Mike Cotton is my co-host and good friend of mine on Fast with Finnegan. And we have to go right past his place in Illinois on the way to Georgia. So what I did was the week prior, I'm like, hey, I've got a package coming to you on Valentine's Day. Are you going to work? He's like, no, I'm not working. And I'm like, well, you kind of need to be there, you know. So uh, come in on Valentine's Day. There's going to be a package. It's going to be delivered. And uh, it's a surprise. So I'm stringing him along. We've now broke down. And I, and I call him on the phone, and I'm like, hey, uh, package is running a little late. I, I just got a <laughs> just, just UPS notice. Um, it's now not going to be there till Saturday, uh, early a.m. delivery. So I need you to come into work on Saturday, <laughs> even if you don't work Saturday, because it's valuable. I don't want it sitting outside your shop. So he's pissed, and he's like, okay, okay. Because in my brain, I'm like, okay, we're going to fix this thing, and we're going to keep going. You know? Yeah, there's no way you're not fixing it. Right. And so I start calling AAA and I have the funniest conversation ever with them about trying to get this truck towed because they're asking me stuff like, is it stock? And I'm telling them yes. And, and, uh, Dude, I had a rough so, time with my dually. I can't even imagine. It's it weighs 20,000 pounds. That's a regular 3500 HD and he's got a six door. No way. No wow. Well, they, they wouldn't tow it because it's not a truck, according to them. And it's not an RV because it doesn't have a toilet. Right. And a kitchen. If it had a kitchen and a toilet, they would have towed it. But because it doesn't, mm. they wouldn't tow it. They even sent a dude out, a tow company, to look at it just to tell me no. So it's 14 degrees in the cab. We're freezing, waiting 
are we getting this thing towed? And, and in the end, no, no one wanted to touch this thing for under two grand to tow it anywhere, Jeez. not even just back to Georgia. So we stay the night in a motel. The tow truck driver that came out to inspect it and tell us no actually gave us a ride to a hotel. And then the next morning, I just start making phone calls like, okay, we're going to bring in a propane heater, build an easy up, put some sides on it. We're going to change the head gasket in the parking lot of this fireworks store. You know, we're, we're going to make this happen. And um, my friend Jimmy Bullard knew somebody in Missouri, which is where we broke down, and says, this dude, he'll tell you, you can you can borrow his shop, you know, and, and fix it yourselves. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Indoors. I'm thinking it's a dirt floor barn somewhere. No, it turns out this guy owns a tow company, tows us to his giant facility where all they do is fix big rig trucks. Oh, nice. Godsend. Yeah, they have everything we need, every tool we need to fix this thing. Now all I got to do is find the parts to fix it. And on a Saturday, trying to find a Cummins 12 valve head gasket proved problematic. Which Even seems Cummins- weird because you would feel like a 5.9 head gasket you could find seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's what I thought, but no. So here's the hiccup in that. All the parts stores at Dodge dealerships aren't open Saturdays, at least in this neck of the woods. Mm. The Cummins suppliers, they actually have Cummins retail stories. Yeah. They don't even stock a 5.9 head gasket anymore. Dude. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, no 5.9 head gaskets. Nothing. And um, Decent all performance of shop, maybe? Nobody was open. Nobody was there. Um Everybody was like, you need to go to a truck stop. Well, truck stop deals in semis. They don't deal in right. medium-duty trucks with 5.9s, so they don't have it. Nobody had it. Ultimately, a roadkill fan had a gasket and brought it to me. Dude! And, no way! Dude! Yeah, pow- power Christ. the internet. In one trip, roadkill – well, one roadkill fan <laughs> was out to kill him, and the other one's out to save him. Yeah, oh, dude, it it, it, it was a trip. So we spent the next 13 or 14 hours r and the head gasket in this truck, got it fixed, and then road chested it, got stuck on flat ground in snowy grass, which didn't know that was a thing, but apparently isn't a truck like this. <laughs> I tried to I tried to make a U-turn on like I pulled off a road and tried to make a U-turn on a lawn and it was flat ground with snow on it. And, and that the was truck it. just that was it. It just sat there. No floor mat so, trick on that one? <laughs> no, I well it didn't have floor mats. <laughs> have nothing. I was trying to throw gravel in front of the tires. Of course. It, it, it didn't work. Nothing worked. <laughs> well, how'd you get so, it out? The same tow company that took me back to the shop <laughs> and loaned me all the tools had to come get me again on the tow. Oh, see your tail between your legs. Like, can you help again? Hi, uh, you might you might have heard me of me. Uh, this is Mike Finnegan. Um. Oh, that's the best part. The tow guy was just a nice guy. He'd never seen roadkill. He had he called me Steve. He had no idea who oh, I was. That's great. <laughs> it was oh. great, dude. So we ultimately we get this thing home. I call the guy that sold it to me, and I'm like, hey man. Uh, I'm pretty sure you knew something was wrong with this truck. And uh, and for about a day and a half, he was going to actually kick me back the money that I blew on hotels and stuff to, to like, you know, fix the head gasket myself. And then next thing you know, he lawyered up and ghosted me. And I was like, oh, well, whatever. I, don't, I got I got an adventure out of it. I didn't I really didn't expect him to give me any money. What back. a dick. It was it was disappointing because he was a roadkill fan, and I was like, man, I'm like, you, I'm pretty sure you knew this thing was hurt when you sold it. To Turns me. out uh, so, Mike Finnegan's not a fan of his. Now, when you say he lawyered up, are you serious? Like you got a yeah a, an email or a call from his attorney? So we're I called him and uh, and I'm like, hey, you know, we've broke down. I like the truck. I'm willing to put the work in to fix this, you know. And here's what I'm going to be into this thing now that I'm I'm burning an extra two days and fixing it and doing all this stuff and. 
And I said, Hey, you know, help me out. And he's like, well, what do you want a couple grand? And I'm like, you know, a couple grand would make me feel a lot better. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, okay, I'll do it. And then a couple days go by and it never came. And I start texting him and, uh, it goes from, Hey, um, my kid's private school tuition was due. I'm broke now. Mm. And three, te- three texts later, it was, ah, my lawyer's advised not to give you any money. And I'm wow. like, and all I said was, all right, well, you know, now we both know what kind of guy you are and it is what it is. And, and have a nice ever, life. Don't ever watch my show again. Ah, oh, dude, you know? Hey. And so that was, that was the end of it. It was disappointing. I'm not, I'm, I'm like not bummed about the money. I, I really didn't expect it. You know, it's buyer beware. beware. Yeah, you know, of you, course. You buy a used car, you're not getting any money back. But uh, just the way the whole thing went down, it just makes you feel knew. a little scummy, a little, little dirty. He knew, on the yeah, side. he he knew it was broken. He totally. It's did. also it's a, it's a, it's a disappointment for because he's a fan of yours. He knew about you, and you thought this guy's gonna allegedly. do right by me. allegedly. Maybe he was a Freiburger fan. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm there. He's he's taking pictures and you know telling me his life story. Yeah, what a what a dick. So, but. I love the truck. So, and, okay. Um, so, hold on a sec. I know that you told people online to help you name it. Has it been named? Because I think we can come up with some names for you. It might have. So, the other night I was out. I took my whole family out to my buddy Brandon's birthday party. And um, I had parked it in this really crowded parking lot of like a Chili's or something. And uh, and when my friends all arrived, they were like, you need to call it Waldo. I'm like why? They're like, well, because it's red and white, and we can see it from three blocks away. We knew where you were. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not looking for it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's not good. I'm not in love with it. But it's not. Yeah, good. it's good, know. but I'm not in love with it. I so. mean, the sixty beast because it has six tires, six cylinders, and six doors. I feel like six has to be a part of it somehow. There's a lot of ways you can go with that. Definitely. <laughs> sixty beast. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The sixty beast. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not loving the the Waldo thing. Yeah. It is an obvious go to, but I'm not. It's Waldo not as cool is, as Square Force One. No. It's not cool. It's not a cool name. And it's yeah, not, it'll and be it, hard to top Square Force One. Yeah, and, and Waldo's not funny enough. It's so it's somewhere in the middle. It's just milk toast, that name. Yeah. <laughs> it's milk yeah. toast. It's vanilla. It's I, I'm not, with you. All right. We need, yeah. we need something else. If anyone's got something, you let me know. All right. Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com or uh, at Finnegan999 on Instagram. Uh, let's help Mike uh, name this thing. Yeah. I would yeah. love it if our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Named his truck. I, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Step up, peeps. <laughs> so speaking of ramp trucks, let's talk about the square body ramp truck. Where are we? What What was it? Where are we with that? Uh, which one are we talking about? Uh, the one you're getting a Duramax for, that one. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> or whichever one you want to talk about. I don't need to. I'm not trying to lead the conversation. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, here's where we're at with those things. So the OG roadkill ramp truck. At one point, it went to the Bonneville Salt Flats, um, so Freiburger could race his Camaro. And as a result, it just started rusting, like uh. the bottoms of the doors, the fenders, everything. So that thing's in a body shop here in my town getting the rust repaired. The other one, Square Force One, as much as I have told people I don't want to diesel swap this thing because it's really quiet, it runs perfect, it runs awesome, but it gets between five and nine miles to the gallon, you know, depending on – what's inside of it. I think I've finally come to the conclusion that I would like to diesel swap it and I don't like to do anything twice. So we're not going to do another Cummins square body swap. I'd like to put a Duramax in it. So I'm talking to lightning one day and I tell him, you know what I want to do. And does Gale banks still have old Duramax engines laying around? And yes, he does. So we're going to be, what is it? An L L L L. Yep. I think we got an LML coming to you. Yep. 
One of those old a brand new. It's uh yeah, it's uh it's about as fresh as you're gonna it's get. A brand new old motor. Yeah, brand new old stock. Yep. Yeah, I think you said it has hours, not miles on it. It's so got like fifty uh, hours. Yeah, between thirty and fifty. Yeah. Between thirty and fifty hours of dyno time on it, and we're gonna swap one of those into Square Force One. Hopefully Game changer on that try. Oh, dude, I I'm excited. I really am. Like I like I don't. I don't want to screw up the truck, and I don't think we're going to. If I can find a way to make it not louder, it'll be the perfect swap. You know, those because... those Duramaxes aren't too bad, and uh, I, I know that you're talking about it being uh, the truck might have a slight uh, bend to it. Uh, I'm hoping that w- <laughs> when you put the diesel ballast, you can bend it back the other way. <laughs> Maybe that's what it needs. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's not, like, I don't think the truck's failing at all. It's just... Something that long with only dual rear <laughs> uh, wheels. <yeah. laughs> like, there's a lot of things about it where I'm like, ah, this probably isn't the safest thing going down the road. <laughs> but I feel like presidential when I drive it, so I'm not going to change that part. We're not going to not going to prove the safety. We're just going to put a more powerful diesel motor in there. Yeah. So this way it'll be twisted in the longitudinal plane rather than just in the horizontal plane. Tacoed in every direction. <laughs> <laughs> first time, first time you do a ramp, a 30 foot ramp truck burnout in that thing, it's just going to twist. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? You ever broken a three piece drive shaft? Uh, a three piece? No, only a two piece. <laughs> I need uh, to look. So what does that thing? Wait, does that thing have like eight carrier bearings or something on it? Like, ser- is it seriously like three pieces? It has it, it has two carrier bearings. In oh it. my yeah. gosh! Yeah, it's what like a of, What kind of crazy drivetrain losses that thing got going? Oh on? my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> oh it's like, yeah, I know. it's like seventy horsepower to the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Start with. <laughs> As long as it has all of the horse torques, that's all I care about. Dude, that's yeah. a lot of drive shafts. <laughs> What's the turning radius on that thing? Well, you you initiate the turn on Monday. And you exit <laughs> on it's like an aircraft carrier, right? You have to have a plan at all times because, like, like, you're going to get gas in it, and it's like, okay, where's the pump? Can I get out after I get the gas? You know, because the, the fuel fills are inside the enclosed box on the passenger side. And uh, that's going to get complicated now when you're rolling to a, a regular non-commercial place and they've only got diesel on two of the eight pumps. You know, I have to really have to think about this. You do have to plan. And you <laughs> you got to plan ahead. You yeah. can get trapped really easily in a in a parking lot with that thing. Yeah, yeah. I had to put a backup camera on it because there's you know the side mirrors are useless and there's a there's a big box behind your head. So I had to put a, a backup camera on it just so I can make sure I didn't run over you know anything. You almost need a co-pilot just to be able to hop out and help guide that thing. Well, the funny thing is, on uh, you remember the old trucking trailer, right? The old H and H tilt deck. Yeah, the one that the wheels just would randomly fall off of. <laughs> yeah, that well, was great. I've have since had it uh, had all that stuff fixed, but um, that was the one that got stolen for a while. And then we we brought it back, but because it was a tilt deck, so for people who are listening, we have a at, at Trucking Magazine, we had an old H and H tilt deck trailer that had center mounted axles, obviously because it's a tilt deck, and I believe the deck was thirty feet long. Well, that means you have like 15 feet from center line of overhang. So you couldn't just let anybody drive that trailer because there is so much rear overhang. I can only imagine how much like watching that rear end swing on the big ramp truck, what that would be like for, for Mike driving it. Uh, it's never boring. <laughs> at all. But I, now that you've brought up the H&H trailer, can we talk about some of the adventures you've had with that? Yes, please. <laughs> sure. Yes. So, so If they're bad for I, Holman, um, yes. <laughs> no. Let's go back. It's not bad for Holman, yeah, I don't it's... think. But uh, in my early days of the magazine, I had a Toyota Tacoma that was airbagged and body dropped and turbocharged. And um, right after we turboed it, 
we were all going out to Laughlin, Nevada for an event called the Laughlin Lure Sports Expo or something, I think. And um, I had just gotten the truck back together and it had a vacuum leak and didn't want to run. So we're going to tow it. And Truck and Magazine at the time just had like like trucks falling from the sky. Everybody had a truck that was amazing. There. I borrowed Bob Ryder's Toyota Tundra, hooked it to that trailer. And then, uh, no, no, I wasn't towing that trailer. I was towing a different trailer with my truck on it. I'm following Dave Withrow, the publisher, Steve oh, Warner, the editor. Yep. And I don't know who else was in it, but they were driving a brand new, at the time, Ford Excursion, towing that trailer. And I don't know what's on the trailer because it doesn't matter anymore. What matters is we're all driving, and all of a sudden the trailer wags, and one of the right side wheels comes off the trailer. Oh, no. Goes into the desert, hits a boulder, and comes right back. <laughs> oh! And punches the door of Ford's excursion. Oh! I can't even. I don't even know how the math or the physics work on this. It comes off the trailer, somehow accelerates, hits a rock, and hits the door of that excursion. That's amazing! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's like that video Here's, going around right now on uh, on Instagram of the uh, Jeep Wrangler that's coming up to a stoplight and it has an axle shaft brake. And it spins out, and when it spins out, the <laughs> rear tire leaves the Wrangler, and then the other tire leaves the Wrangler, and there's a Toyota Camry at a right-hand turn, and here's two tires coming at them. So they, they go to accelerate to make the right-hand turn and then freeze, and then the, f- the first tire hits the front of the car. Oh, no. So then he moves forward, and the second tire hits the back of the oh, car. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like oh, a double I shot. Need dude. Dude, I we, need to go I'll, I'll, send, I'll send it to we, you. It's we've awesome. We've talked about this on the show before where I foresee a tire coming over the guardrail in the, into the fast yeah, lane Yeah, that's, that's your nightmare. Yeah. It's like- uh, Oh, so oh. let me tell you another story then. <laughs> oh, no, no, because this is all too real, for, and it will probably never happen to me, but I just have this ah, Never say never. I have a fear of a tire coming over and smashing my windshield when I'm doing 80 miles an hour. Well, by the way, uh, Lightning okay. is one of the worst passengers you could ever have in your vehicle. No way. Because every time you do something that he's not okay with, he goes, ah, ah, ah. No, He like really? freezes up. He's like, watch the car. The guy turned here. And, dude, it's like that's because you're a very aggressive driver. That's not true. You at all. are a that is not abs- true. At oh, all. You're mental. No, I'm not. Mike, have you have you driven with with Holman? He's an aggressive driver. That's not true at all. It's been at least a decade. I yeah. feel safer. All right. See? Okay. Okay. So I'm wait, about to what's make, your story? I'm about to make light. I'm about to make lightning worse. Yes. Okay. Uh. So that same trailer that is already now pummeled a Ford press vehicle. Two years later, I'm towing my '67 C10 to uh the forbidden fantasy truck show out in lake paris and my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife is with me and we're on the 91 freeway in the slow lane being good citizens doing 55 all of a sudden i feel the trailer wag and i know what's coming the left side tire comes off crosses all three lanes and there's a rav4 hauling butt in the carpool lane and this thing goes in front of it and like a cartoon spins backwards and comes back and punches the grill, the radiator, the hood, the windshield, oh. and the roof of this RAV4. Oh, my God. And we, we all slow down and stop. And I'm like, I'm going to jail. I think I've killed these people. Holy crap. And we're all sitting there. And I get out. And before I can walk over to this RAV4 with limo tinted windows, it takes off with a flat tire and fluids leaking everywhere. It just bones out dude and uh <laughs> what I'm, yeah Why? and i'm like 
probably like, a criminal oh, or somebody a with a dude. Uh, drunk or a license. I well, had that happen to me once. Notice he said with murdered out windows, right? Blacked out yeah. windows. So I, I, had, I, I had that happen once where I, I traffic came to a complete stop on the freeway. Everybody's going 70 and then everybody's going zero. Slammed on my brakes, hit the truck in front of me. Everybody was hitting each other around me. And I get out and the guy's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah. He goes, all right, cool. He gets in his truck and drives away. Well, I called 911, right? And uh, I explained what happened. And they're like, nobody's hurt? No. Okay, you need to call the police, not 911. Okay, so I call the police. And I tell them what happened. And whoever was on the phone goes, okay, so basically you had a problem with your trailer. Nobody's hurt. Everyone's fine. You're just going to pull it safely off the highway. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> they're like, okay, have a nice day. Hmm. I was like, whoa, dude. It was weird. It was so weird. So when you're watching that tire backfire off the guardrail and then go back towards the RAV4, you're seeing this almost in slow motion going, no. I mean, dude, it was like a cartoon. It never even hit the guardrail. Oh, it, it didn't. You no, know, it went across traffic, and when it got to the carpool lane, it just reversed directions and went Against traffic. It's like when you spin a hula hoop when you roll it on the ground. Yeah. Reverse rotation. Oh, Oh, and then it 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 comes back at you. It was some final destination, dude. (laughs) See, that's the final destination where the the long, uh, uh, like steel poles go through the windshield and impale the poor woman. Yeah, I remember on my motorcycle once a gravel truck dropped like a uh, big, like two inch rock on the uh, on the one ten going into downtown. Don't even get me started about gravel trucks. And it went bounce, bounce. Oh no! Bounce and I looked right at it and I ducked and it went right over my head. Oh. <laughs> and then it hit oh, the car. And I don't know what happened, dude. Yeah. I was just I was just happy it didn't hit me in the chest because yeah. that would have hurt. Well, everyone yeah. was okay, so I guess the silver lining of the story is no death. This is, this is why I got ram <laughs> trucks and not no trailers. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think uh, I I'm not a fan of trailers. They they suck. <laughs> so is it, what would you say? Hashtag no trailers. No hashtag. Yeah. No, hashtag no death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to uh, your boat. Your boat is like only 18 feet long or something, right? Uh, I never measured it. I think it's 19 feet six. It might as well be 18. All right, so you have a 19-foot boat that has the engine of a 400-foot boat in it. How's that going to work? Yeah, what is this thing going to be, like 3,000 horsepower? (laughs) Dude. If you turned it up, it would probably make 3,000. I I don't intend to turn it up. It should make about 2,000. So literally, the, the turbo compressor wheel... Is if you were to take a tape measure mm-hmm. and a stick, it's about five feet directly behind Mike's head when he sits in the uh, driver's seat of the boat, mm-hmm. and it probably yeah, my, my, does it suck in hats and I like would, yes, fish or what will. Will. What's going fish. on? <laughs> well, when I was building it, it was a conscious decision to put the turbos behind the motor because I didn't want my wife's hair getting sucked into one of them when she rides shotgun in this thing. So yeah, the, the turbos are they're probably four feet behind your head. Will your Wife actually rides shotgun because this looks like, oh God, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it by calling it a, a death machine, but it's it it's too much engine. For I don't too think little boat. I don't think you can jinx it because Mike's uh, Instagram is Finnegan nine 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 for the reason of if it flips over at six six six. Right, we've talked about this yes. before, so <laughs> I think I think you're safe uh, with this guess. But listen, Mike, you spent so much time in and around boats that. Does this one scare you? Or again, <laughs> is this your heroin? You're like, I've done it all. I'm shooting up with whatever. And I can, you know. is its name bad idea? It, it scares me a little bit. Uh, no, it's called Game Over. Not bad idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> Game Over. Oh. Um, okay, so the story behind this boat. It's a 19-foot placecraft fiberglass hull. 
and the hull weighs 420 pounds. And it's powered by a 711 cubic inch Sunny Leonard Chevy Hemi. It's a Chevy block, Hemi heads, and then two precision turbos. And it's a jet boat, doesn't have a prop. And the entire thing weighs about 1,700 pounds. <laughs> it's like a Volkswagen Beetle with some weird like Porsche motor in it or something. Like, like That would be the equivalent, right? No, this would be like a, uh, a, a, a jet ski... With a, a Hayabusa motor, yeah, is that what it would, yeah, no, no, not even way bigger than a yeah. Hayabusa motor. With a, it's a NASA rocket on a surfboard, basically. There you okay, go. there yeah. you go. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of the, how I look at it. And it's two seats, left hand steer. It's got a gas pedal. Uh, my wife will for sure ride it. She'll drive it. She's crazy. She's a uh, my last drag boat uh, was kind of similar to this, but it was a nitrous big block Chevy that made about 1500 horsepower. And she, we'd go to the Colorado River, and I'd sit on the beach, and she'd make nitrous passes in it. She's, <laughs> really. Yeah, she's an interesting chick because she's not into this, and and by that I mean, like she doesn't care to go to the racetrack. She doesn't care to be down in the garage wrenching on it, but she's really good at things. Like uh, like when I met her, she just made this off the cuff remark that she snowboarded, and I thought, really, okay, well, sure, sure, shit. I took her out. She went snowboarding and got down the hill, no problem. Uh, I like wake surfing. She picked that up easily like she's just i don't know what it is but like she's things, a cool jack. outdoor things she can do it and uh i watched her get behind the wheel of my last drag boat and just no fear how long have you guys there. been married now i met her in oh three in laughlin so so, so i, I remember your wedding so i mean that's how long now you know, normally back. people meet in laughlin and they're in a drunken stupor <laughs> and you don't realize she's got all kind of crazy family, and there's there's never good things that happen in Laughlin. It's it's like if you guys haven't been to Laughlin, yeah, no, it's, normally it's normally the, it's everybody forgets the weekend goes back to where they came from. So so it, it, you've, most of you have been to Las Vegas. So there's, there's the new part of Las Vegas by the MGM and all the nice hotels. Then there's downtown, right? There's it gets a little seedier. But then there's Laughlin, yeah. which is a wannabe seedy <laughs> Las yeah, it's Vegas. It's almost like a downtown Vegas by the water. It's like if downtown yeah, Vegas it, had a waterfront, that's Laughlin. Yeah. Yeah. If you sucked the river dry, Laughlin would just die. There'd be no reason <laughs> to go to it. <laughs> exactly. Because the period. casinos are not that great. No. Yeah, I mean, people fine. hang out at the Loser's Lounge. That's right. where you go right. to hang. Yeah, that's because you've been kicked out of Vegas and you still have a gambling addiction. Yeah. Right? So you go to that's Laughlin. Your, that's a real club, the Loser's <laughs> Lounge. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> I know I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did how did the whole boating thing get started? I know it's the Truck Show podcast, but well, we've talked about boats with them before. I mean, the, but I don't recall how we how we got into it the first time. They're 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 a huge part of my life. Like if if not for the drag boat, I wouldn't have met my wife in Laughlin. The only reason I met her was she was there with a friend of hers and uh, her friend's boyfriend and his boat broke down. I just picked him up off the beach while he worked on his boat and I took him for a boat ride. Of course he did. Are you serious? Yeah, I have no game, but I had a rad boat with a big engine. <laughs> now, wait a minute. So how does it happen where you pull up to the dock and they're just sitting there getting suntans and you go, do you want to go for Riley? Like, how does that exchange happen? This is a weird and long story. You sure you want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, back then, this is, say, 2003, internet forums, big deal. You know, Facebook, we weren't really – I don't even know if Facebook existed. It was MySpace. But, yeah, it was MySpace. So we're, I'm on this forum for dudes with drag boats and stuff, and everyone's going to Laughlin um, on an off-race weekend to essentially street race their boats and goof around. And we're all going to meet at the greatest Del Taco ever, the one in Barstow. And 
when I go there, uh, I'm single that weekend and I go there and I that see weekend. this, yeah, I see this girl in the, uh, extended cab portion of a Dodge Dakota with tinted windows. And I see her and she, I could tell she looked good, but it looked like she had a dude with her. Uh, and so I just, eh, whatever, you know? And so I get to Laughlin and it turns out she's there with a guy I know through this forum and with her friend from high school. And her friend from high school had brought her because she just started dating this guy and she was uncomfortable making a trip like this alone. So she brings my future wife. And when we all arrive in Laughlin at the Avia Hotel, they all get out of the truck. And I realized that's not a dude she's with. That's some girl with really short hair ah. who's actually a, actually a senior citizen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe she is single, right? And so we get there. Everybody launches their boats, fires them up. And this guy has all kinds of problems with his boat. It won't run. So I've launched mine. I'm sitting at the beach and he comes down. He's like, hey, my boat's broke. Will you take these chicks for a ride? Will I fix it? And sure, no problem. So I take him out in my boat and end up spending the whole weekend with my future wife. And then uh, only at the end did I find out she lived 100 miles away in San Diego, which might as well be another state. And uh, we start dating long distance and we were we were engaged the next year. I remember those days. At that same event, I proposed to her floating down that river in front of that hotel a year later. It's awesome. That's romantic. I remember when you met her and we're like, ah, she lives in San Diego. Ah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, because I, I was broke back then. Like, I all my money went were. into my drag. Yeah, like, we were broke. We were we worked. We didn't make any money at the magazine. Every dime I had went into racing my drag boat. And now I've dated this girl who, you know, to drive to San it's Diego. 100 miles. Back, was one, 100 one way. miles each way. Yep. And, uh, you know, yep. for me and my, my crappy truck, that was a full tank of gas each way. Well, it's funny because I remember, uh, I don't know, it was like you, me, Travis Nowak, and, you know, Marcel, that group. And I remember, it might have been Travis or Marcel were like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's getting engaged to Jessa. And it was like, you know, we all looked at each other because we all thought it was just sort of like, ah, you know, the chick at the river that lives in San Diego, right? And then it actually turned into something and... Here you guys still are, which is pretty freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, being yeah. from being from San Diego, which is a, a beach community, assuming she was near that area um, and not the desert portion, uh, how was she with the move to to uh, where the hell you Georgia? Now? Georgia, yeah. Georgia. Uh, it was actually her idea. So she, uh, we're, we're long distance dating, and then eventually she moves up to Orange County. We live together there, get married, you know, make a baby. And we were living in an apartment. I was renting a shop to do my work at, and then we were living in an apartment. And my brother calls me one day and tells me that the house next door to his is for sale and it has a six car garage. And we had been visiting for Christmas for like a few years and just kind of fell in love with the area. And we were like, you know, well, what the hell? Let's go. We don't even have a backyard here in California. And our apartment costs the same as the stupid house in Georgia. So we ran out of reasons to stay in California other than. You know, Mexican food, my friends, I, I don't miss much of it. No Mexican food, so. Yeah, Georgia or, doesn't have great Mexican They've got food. some, but it ain't Yeah, good. but it's not the same, no. I, I'm conv- yeah, I've I'm, found one good hole in the wall place, but yeah, there's not much here. Yeah, my, my general rule is there's no good Mexican food uh, basically uh, north of Texas and east of the Mississippi. <laughs> that whole southern area, pretty much uh, devoid. Now, you can get, you know, get down into, uh, into Florida and stuff, you get some pretty good Cuban food and Dominican food, but but not the Mexican food yeah. we have out here. Just isn't the same. Nah, it's just different. I'm going to swap up topics real quick. I think one of our last uh, questions for you. I wanted to talk to you about the return of street trucks. Holman and I 
talk about this quite often. We feel like we're on the cusp of something great happening at an OE level. Um, how do you? You're on. You're on the street. You're talking to the kids, as they say. Well, here let, let's let's lay it out this way. Every manufacturer, and their mom is doing an off-road pickup truck now, and so I feel like with some of the concepts recently that the OEs are dabbling and trying to figure out if the pendulum's going to swing the other way and come out with a uh, sport truck again from the factory and kind of get that whole sport truck scene lit back up. What do you What do you think? I don't see why you shouldn't. I mean, I've I don't know. I, I like all of it, so. I can see myself having, well, I can't see myself having a new truck. I don't really have any new ones, but I've, I like lowered stuff, lifted stuff for me. It's, it's these days, it's as long as it does something well, you know, whether it's go around corners or in a straight line or over a jump, like as long as it does something well and, and you've got cool trucks like the Raptor now. So why not make a factory hot rod truck again? I think it'd be that cool. was the glory days of all those truck magazines. Well, for sure. Know? SRT 10 Rams and lightnings and yeah. You know. All sorts. Yeah, of yeah. So you, I, so you I never owned one of those. No, no, no. I I couldn't afford them. Mike oh my had God, a cool uh, four point seven V eight uh, uh, Tundra with a uh, TRD blower on it. That was an extended cab with. Uh, what did you have on that? Thirty threes, thirty fives. It had thirty five inch BFG projects. It, yeah. it, it, it was, was like cool. a Baja. We we long traveled. It had a Camberg front end on it and yeah. a roll cage, and it was super fun. But I couldn't afford it. <laughs> like yeah. first, the first time I, I I broke a front spindle, I was like, "Oh, Uh-oh. this off roading stuff's expensive." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turns, so it didn't last. It didn't last out. long. Well, okay, so you think uh, you'd be up for it, but you're not. I guess you wouldn't buy one because you're loving the old stuff right now. Ah, uh, it's just weird for me. Like I I can't see spending because trucks are expensive now. But part of the reason I bought this six door truck is, and you asked really what it what it cost. This was a truck with 30,000 miles on it, and it was 26.5. Um, mm. Like, to get something that will haul as much as this can haul with, you know, low miles on it, you're going to spend 60 or 70 grand. Yeah. You know? and, if, and if it's a new truck, Jesus, 80, 90, 100. And so, I, as much as I'd be stoked to see the OEs come out with a new street truck, hey, am I going to buy one? I don't know. Probably not. You know, because I'm also one of those guys that's like, I can't buy it and leave it stock. So to invest something that into something that expensive and then go pile on more huh. stuff to it, it's just uh, huh. ah, it's just not me. Never, uh, never experienced that before. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what can we expect coming up on uh, Faster with Finnegan? What uh, episodes have we not seen yet? Can you tease us with anything? No, not at all. They're all out. Also, the first season, all what? six of them, they're they're out on the Motor Trend app. <laughs> Wait, we haven't. We did do all the research on our guests. They're like, well, we haven't filmed. <laughs> but I, but it's it's. But hold on a second. Motor Trend doesn't have to follow a seasonal release schedule. Uh, no, they do. don't. But I believe they were testing the waters with the show. So we filmed six, released six, haven't filmed anything since. Um, I've been told they want to film more. We just haven't started. Tell me to get off their. F- asses and tape some more <laughs> they're good they're entertaining i enjoyed making it i tell you what it's really fun to make you know so yeah, here's the problem uh, mike my, uh my, my man lightning here is just jealous because we record this show once a week for the past uh uh two years with a bunch of extra shows thrown in and uh and and 
basically, you know, you're famous and have six shows on uh, Finnegan's Garage. That's Dude, all. He's or faster out. with Finnegan. He's rolling through the mud. He's drag racing <laughs> Cletus McFarlane. He's doing stuff. With and his all you're boats. doing is sitting in a stinking old he's studio got, with he's me. Got, he's got my dream truck with hydraulics <laughs> on it sitting in his garage. Hey, I picked you up in a nice Titan Pro 4X yesterday. It's different. It's different. <laughs> you, you just you just gotta move. That's the problem. You just you just move out he here. Ju- he did move. Closer. That's he moved closer. into a uh, single story one car garage in Long Beach. Sucks. And I probably spent a million dollars, three huh? times more than your house, and it and my house is a freaking matchbox. Yeah, but you li- awful. But you still live in California. Yeah, I'm hating it. And- <laughs> I'm hating it. And you get to do the show with me once a week. I love that. Oh, no part. wonder why you're over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. It's always great checking with you. We really appreciate I'm you making time. To you. Uh, dude, I, lo- I love you. No, 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 I look at it as inspiration. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome to come visit anytime you want. We'll oh, play with all very, these things. Very generous. Uh, you know what? That might be a fun uh, truck show podcast is to uh, go drive a Finnegan six-door truck. That would yeah. be great. On wet grass. No, not on wet grass. <laughs> <laughs> on icy grass. <laughs> Whatever. It'll be summertime. We could do that. We could totally do that. All right. We might have to uh, do a special uh, truck show podcast from Mike Finnegan's house. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right. I like it. I'm, all right. I'm down. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. Catch you later. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. We should really go visit him. Like that would that would be fun. I don't think we would be welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, why don't we uh, get into uh, ooh truck news? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? That was weird. So but you what, and I, no, what noise well, happened jet. after? That's a jet. So it's windy outside, so I think they're taking off from LAX the opposite no, wait, wait, way. Wait, wait, wait. So we're hearing them. No, no, no. No, it's a car no, outside. No, it's a car. Yeah, it's a car. It's that a was weird. It something. started the second that we went, ugh. I don't know how many people. That was your computer. I don't know how many people know that we are next to the Hot Rod Garage, where they do a lot of the. Uh, oh, they're filming today. Builds for the magazine and. In fact, I saw and- I saw Lucky over there, and uh, I said podcast, and then he waved. Did and he close? Did he close the garage door and, and walk he, inside? Then he walked away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta see if we can get him on. I mean, we've been talking about it for like a year, so we should probably do that. I don't think it's gonna happen. No, he will. You think so? One hundred percent. Okay. One hundred percent. What's new with trucks? Uh, for those of you who uh, enjoy work trucks, uh, the work truck show is going on right now. Are there people that just enjoy work trucks? Absolutely. Oh, my God, dude. I wish I could be at the work truck show. Okay. It's awesome. Is this the one in Anaheim, California? Because uh, I know I get an invite every year. Nope. This is uh, the work truck show in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, Ford is celebrating 35 years of the commercial vehicle business. So that's kind of cool. Wait. Wait. Only 35 years? Uh, that's what they say. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's probably since... They actually had a dedicated commercial vehicle division. I see. I see. You know, uh, so they have launched their F six hundred Super Duty, which we've talked about before. Um, that's what they call a tweener. It could be a game changer. Yeah, but it should have been a five fifty no, or no, no, a six fifty. No. They have a five fifty to six fifty. I know that, and okay. I'm saying it, we. That's what we would expect, but they screwed with us with a six hundred. So the six hundred basically fits between the two. So 
It has the features of a larger Class 6 medium-duty truck, like the gross vehicle weight rating, 19.5-inch wheels, upgraded driveline and chassis components. But size-wise, it's more like the Class 4 traditional super-duty trucks that look more like a beefed-up version of your F-350 or 450. Which I couldn't love more. And so, Not possible. I love it. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty awesome, especially with those big old fender flares on it and that big Although wiper and axle. Although uh, I would get the fender flares uh, color-matched because typically— But it's a war truck. No, but still, nah. You gotta have a nah. rad work truck, don't yeah. you? I mean, you do if you're uh, our friend over at Watch That Freight. Oh, that's true. Did you see he just bought a new truck for California, a new Ram? Jesse is Oh, balling. dude. He's got a California-based Ram now, and it's yes, freaking gorgeous. Yeah, no one, Brand new. no one that I know, no hotshot that I know has a truck th- as beautiful as no, his. No, no, he has multiples now yes. that are all wrapped and all have big wheels and tires and look awesome. They have uh, parts from the company I work at. How many dudes do you think are hotshotting across the country doing 3,000-mile trips on 24-inch American forces? Probably none. Maybe just one. I mean, maybe just one. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, most of those guys are all about dependability, reliability, not that 24-inch, you know, uh American forces aren't, but I think it would might be hard to find a tire with the right load rating in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh, okay, so the uh, Ford is also a- offering a uh, gaseous fuel, gaseous fuel prep package. So it comes with upgraded valve train components, allowing for the conversion to run the vehicle on CNG, and it'll be available on the F450, 550, and F600, as well as the E series, medium duty, and the F53, F59 stripped chassis commercial truck vehicles equipped with the 7.3 liter V8. Ooh, people are loving that 7.3. And then now you'll be able to get you, that- Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. You, I, I, just recap your review of the 7.3. It's you, awesome. You drove it, right? Yeah. And if you're going- It's single in the in the block cam, not single overhead cam like I originally called it. Right, exactly. Would you, I remember the, your uh, retraction, that womp, was that was womp, funny. Womp, womp. If you had to choose the 6.7 liter uh, If I can afford the gas, stroke, I would go with the 7.3. You would? Yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. Okay. It's awesome. It sounds awesome. There's just nothing like a big old V8 under the hood sounding like that. Gets up and goes. Like if I needed to tow 30,000 pounds diesel all day long. Sure. But if I needed to tow 10,000 pounds, I'd be totally happy with the 7.3, right. especially with the 10-speed. And you don't tow squat. I don't tow squat. Yeah. I don't have nothing to tow. You know why? Why? Because I don't own no Trailer Queens Lightning. I drive wherever I go, <laughs> yeah. Lightning. I drive? What are you talking about? Wait, wow. That was defensive. It was well, not even about you. Yeah, of course it was. No, it wasn't. It was about all those people that tow their Jeeps and toys places. Oh, I see. And then go do their thing and then tow home. I'm like, no, I drive it. Yeah. I go do it and then I drive it home. Yeah. No, I've uh, never towed one of my vehicles other than a, you know, like an off-road AAA. vehicle. Yeah. No, <laughs> I haven't. Oh, no, that's not true. Uh-huh. Dooley broke down a couple uh, times, yeah. yeah. What, what was it? Uh, the biggest one was when I sucked up a bunch of water. Ooh. I think we've talked about that. That was a bad one. Where, uh, yeah, I had water in the fuel and uh, it, uh, I had to drop my... 50, uh, my 65-gallon Titan fuel tank and my 33-gallon uh, Titan tank uh-huh. and uh, clean them out with rags. Mm. It ruined all eight injectors. It ruined my fuel rails. Mm. It ruined my fuel pump. Is that all? Everything. It was yeah. It was a solid 10 grand worth of damage just by womp, sucking womp, up water womp. from a womp. bad gas station. Oof. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to have that kind of problem, then you might be interested in this, and that's the fact that the 22 Ford F650 and 750 uh, medium-duty trucks, those are the ones with the big old uh, 
you know, they're lifted the, off the frame and they've got the big old hood, the, you know, the tilt hood and all Only that. Only yes. Yes. Only okay. yes. Uh, so they will now have optional integrated air compressors that can be used to power air brakes, air <gasps> suspension, air horns, air ride seats, and other air uh, accessories. And that's a big deal because previously uh, air brakes can only be found in like the diesel powered trucks. So now you can get it on the 7.3 gas trucks. And obviously the gas trucks are generally less expensive to own and operate. I believe you save like $9,200 on your medium duty truck by choosing the gas option. Wow. And then you're not giving anything up because you still have the ability to do air and all that, which is pretty cool. Right. Uh, and then uh, believe it or not, the E-Series chassis is still around. How is that possible? The, let me just put it this way. The 2022 E-Series cutaway. Oh, my God. And it looks just like the, the 2009 E-Series cutaway. Why would you ever buy a new one? Well, motorhome. I mean, that's basically right. It's the darling of the motorhome fleets. I think, is it the most popular motorhome chassis of it's, all it time ever? It has to be. It has it to has be. It has to be. Well, you can now get, my friend, the 7.3 liter gas V8 in the E-Series. So, uh, I, you know, I remember my friend had a old Dodge van, you know, uh, motorhome with a 440 wedge motor in it, mm-hmm. and it would do burnouts, and you could almost get it to lift the front tires if you had enough weight in the back, you know, and um, this might be a better option than the old Dodge. It might take the crown for awesome engines in a motorhome. I do like the fact that they at least updated the front fascia of the truck. Nope. What do you mean, no? Nope. The van is, what, what do you mean, nope? No? The headlights are different. It literally looks the same as it has. I mean, there might be a tweak to the headlight here yeah, or there or something, the but, okay, yeah, yeah. but there's nothing special yeah. about it. Oh, you know what's new? The Nostrils uh, on the grill? No, the handles on the uh, A-pillars. Those are new. Oh, yeah, well. And the uh, mirrors are kind of newish. Nope, the mirrors are the old Super oh, Duty mirrors. turn it around? These are the old uh, six-liter mirrors. Oh, yeah, they sure are. Those are really old. Yep. Oh, man. But if you have a motorhome, I guess you don't care, right? No, you don't give a rat's butt. Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, you can now uh, get that gas engine, and it'll run on blends of up to 85% ethanol because it's now flex fuel, uh, which I don't understand why you would want to do that in your motorhome, which is getting bad gas mileage anyway. Uh, but You hey. want a really fast motorhome. Uh, also new for those the- are, Those things are dogs, aren't they? They've no. always been dogs. No. What do you, what do you no, mean? I bet yeah. with 7.3 it's not. Oh, like not to, with a 7.3. I'd like to do no. uh, burnouts with the uh, cutaway, though. No wait on the back, just shoot. That would be the raddest video ever. Yeah, you'd get at, at highway know, speeds. Can we have also a be a Ford like, and just do a burnout video with you, one of those? You know when you have the automatic sliding glass window yeah. in the back, yeah. and then you're going down the highway, and when you when no other window is open, actually t- two windows down, on the, your passenger and driver are down, and the wind like whips backwards and you create this vortex. Uh-huh. Can you imagine with the entire back open? Everything open. It would be awesome. The craziest. Your shirt would be flying up like a tutu. It would be just like being in a Wrangler with the 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 uh, front top, the freedom panels on, and the rest of the tops off. Do, do you get that weird vortex inside? Yeah, well, it depends how you floats? do your. Yeah, it depends how you do your windows and stuff. Like okay. you can play with uh, the airstream. Huh. Uh, so anyway, the uh, cool thing about the Gas E Series is that they now have a scalloped engine access cover that allows for more legroom. Because, well, you know, driving one of those vans kind of sucks after a while. Yeah. So anyway, that's they uh, have never come with comfy seats. No, not once. No, not no. ever. Although, dude, when I had one of the my favorite vehicles I have ever owned is my Chevy Express twenty five hundred HD van. Yes, the one that got diesel fuel stolen out of it. That's the one. Yep, dude, those seats were comfy. I I've done three thousand miles straight in that in that thing, which is hard to believe. Vinyl seats. 
No, they had the cloth seats, oh, the nice. uh, cigarette burns, the herringbone, or whatever you call the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that pattern is. Uh, and then uh, the production of the 2022 E series begins in uh, January of 21. Fold down, so arm only 12 rest. months away from now. You got to have a fold down armrest. It makes all the difference in the world. And you know what I on did? Van Talk. And you know what I did uh-huh. is I went to the junkyard and found the same pattern, same material, same color, and I put a third bucket right between the two seats, but stepped back a little bit because it's too wide to fit between the two. So I. We bolted uh, uh, seat belts down to the floor, and so my I had two I had two boys, so one can sit shotgun and one can sit kind of in. Just Let's be honest, us. it was a milk crate. No, it was a legitimate seat. I've got photos of it. Okay, it was great. It was a milk crate with a seat belt. No, but a couple of years I took that van to Coachella, and Cody, who worked, did for you me, open up when you took it there? Uh, I, I did not. I was okay, just, I was, just I was visiting. visiting okay. yeah. yeah, I saw the lawn chairs there. They were great. Did, did you? Yeah, the lawn chairs. Did you see the milk crates? Uh, no, I didn't <laughs> see that. They, they were they were going to open for the lawn yeah. chairs, but they well, something up, happened with their touring van. Yeah, they broke. <laughs> because somebody stole their milk crate to use as a seat. <laughs> yes. Okay. No. Are legit. we full circle on this no, yet? Can I move on to, to the next story? Listen please. to me. Hold on. I want to move on. Cody uh, sat all the way from L.A. to Indio. Yeah, that's a two-hour trip. Who's Cody? You do you not know Cody? You know Cody. <laughs> Cody used to work for me at uh, K Rock. Okay, Cody. So I just random. It does some random guys. <laughs> well, you don't know who he is. All right. Skinny white kid. <laughs> yeah, sat, Cody. Sat on the lawn chair. Never met a skinny white kid named Cody before, sat by the way. On the, you know, sat on <laughs> uh-huh. the lawn chair between us. Okay. And halfway through the trip, the the mesh broke uh-huh. and his ass was poking through the lawn chair. Okay. All the way to Coachella. Where are we going with this? That's it. That's my story. All right. Well, since we're <laughs> in the throes of winter right now, you'll be happy to know, Lightning. Yeah. Uh that for twenty twenty one, Ram is introducing a snowplow prep package for the Ram fifteen hundred. Doesn't surprise wait a fifteen hundred. Yeah. Usually that's only for the uh, HD. No, it comes with a 220-amp alternator to keep up with the electrical demands of the snowplow hydraulics. That's BS. It's nothing compared to the 370-amp Mechman alternator. By the way, they're going to come on the show soon and talk about those alternators. Uh, Okay. Super dope billet Uh, alternators. I'll just point out that my uh, Wrangler with the tow package has a 240-amp alternator. It's not a 370-amp But it's also from the factory, sir. This is, when you see it, Holman, Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to be stunned how beautiful it is. I will hold it in my hands and I, I will have, cherish I, it forever. Okay. I have, I have a, no, hold so on. So, the 220 amp alternator keeps mm-hmm. up with the electrical demands of a snowplow hydraulics, a special wiring harness, and defroster equipped rear power sliding window. And the plow mounts necessitate ditching the active air dam, and the actual snowplow mounts and controller are sold separately. Ah, so sad. Uh, anyway, these have to be 4x4 models, uh, 5.7 liter Hemi V8. And the e-torque variant or the 3-liter EcoDiesel V6. You can't get a 3.6 V6 uh, for plowing. And you can get it in a Rebel, Laramie Longhorn, or Limited with plow goodness. So if you're a rich snowplow operator and you want the uh, luxurious comfort of a Ram 1500 Laramie Longhorn or Limited, Mm -hmm. you got it. And check this out. The optional package price is only $195. Look at this alternator right here. Look at that. That's a big boy. Look at that sucker. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the most, the most beautiful alternator you've ever seen? Let's get them on the show. We are going to get them on the show. Okay. They just released a 500 amp alternator. Where do you put all that power? Do you just shoot it off into space? Do you zap cars <laughs> as you're driving down the, the highway? Depends how many cheap Chinese LED light bars you have. <laughs> well, then there's that. <laughs> uh, so rumor has it the 2021 Ford Bronco is getting a seven-speed manual transmission or the 2.7 liter V6. Huh. That'll be fun. 
Uh, well, you know me. I like the manual. So uh, apparently it's going to have a granny low first and uh, be pretty fuel efficient. And it's exactly uh, one gear higher than the Wrangler. So I guess FU Jeep from Ford. I don't Ooh. know. You do this, we'll do one better. I think that's their philosophy on the Bronco from uh, from what I'm seeing. How how low is that? What would the ratio be? Oh, uh, let's see. The, uh, the Wrangler six-speed. First gear is like a 5.18 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the Ford Granny Gear would be in the sixes, maybe deeper. Woo! It's like super low. Wow. Super low. Uh, so we'll see. So full throttle at in the lowest gear, quarter mile an hour? Uh, yeah, maybe a mile per hour. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Um, depending on what the transfer case is, if they do like a four to one, like the Rubicon and whatever, you may see an overall gear, you know, crawl ratio of close to 100 to one or better. Which is crazy. That's crazy talk to have that from a factory vehicle. Yeah. And uh, what would you to, do with it? With what? I mean, what would you? How many people are going to use that? I mean, unless Me? you crawl. I know you will. Me. How many other? I mean, outside of the crawl market, how many people will buy that and never ever ever engage it? You just start off in second gear. It's just a. It's just a gear in your shift pattern. You don't have to use it. You how, can. How many people do you think will buy it? Start in first and go, well, that's a worthless gear. And then go for, yeah, one, one go mile per hour and then <laughs> yeah. have to shift like, again. Wow! And they're not even moving. <laughs> Wait, well, how does it sound again? Wow! <laughs> wow. Wow is correct. All right, and uh, in other uh, news, the uh, spy photos for the Ford F-150 have started to trickle out for the 21. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, the new truck looks like. I know it's going to be unveiled uh, in, uh, I think, summertime mm-hmm. to the media for the first time. And what does it look like? Uh, well, it's supposed to have a lot of uh, new upgrades. In fact, if you have, head over to F150gen14.com. Really? They have some Raptor renderings based on the spy photos. Okay. And one of the interesting things about the Raptors, the spy photos show that it most likely has a uh, coil-sprung rear suspension. So not sure if the whole Ford F150 lineup will have that, but certainly the Raptor will. So interesting that Ford is... Uh, Doing something like the Ram side is because Ford for the longest time was like, no way, we're Ford. We don't have to do anything to anybody else. We're Ford. But uh, I'm telling you, Ram woke him up a little bit with that current truck. It's a good truck. Hmm. So uh, expect coil springs in the back on your Raptor. When are we going to see the TRX, the Raptor Killer? Uh, Hopefully uh, summertime as well. And uh, I'll use this last uh, story here as a tie-in to our next guest. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but Atlas Motors out of... uh, Uh, Mesa, Arizona. They're one of the electric truck manufacturers. Well, check it out. A couple weeks ago, they just announced they have new battery fast charge technology to charge up your battery in about 15 minutes on your work truck. Is that a game changer enough for you? Send some bogosity. Well, we have the founder and CEO, Mark Hanchette, coming on. Uh, Do you want me to get Mark Hanchette, founder and CEO of Atlas Motors, on the phone right now? And that way he can counter you before you have any more uh, libelous claims against him. I'm going to go to the restroom. I'll be back in a few minutes. You, you handle the interview. I'll see you in a minute. No, no, no. You got to stay. Right. You got to stay. Okay. Uh, I'm actually really interested. He and I had a great conversation on the phone, and if our interviews any piece of what we had on the phone, I think our listeners will be really interested because he is a fascinating guy, some amazing technology happening over there. But I don't know. Is the 15-minute recharge, is that a game changer enough for you to consider an electric truck? It might be. All right. Let's call him. Dial him up. This is Mark. Hey, Mark Hanchett. It's uh, Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. What's How you doing? going on? Hey, guys. Hey, a real quick question before we get into this. Is it a, a soft CH or a hard CH? Hanchette or Hanchette? Chet. Chet. 
See, just like I told All you. All right, that's good. All right. All right. <laughs> Don't say a word. We got a quick intro. Don't move. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? With your job and get a I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> the, the worst intro ever? No, it's funny. I think uh, it's the kind of intro that all of our listeners' kids will sing along right, with. Right. That's the problem. It's an earworm, but it's still horrible. Yeah, it Poor Mark. Sad. Mark's thinking he's going to a, this this high-end, like, you know, full-on professional podcasting. We not, start out with that. This, this is not NPR, this is Mark. not a good start. We, we apologize. It's not NPR. This is, this is a fantastic start, actually. It's so much better. All right. Well, you and I spoke a few weeks back, and uh, kind of part of that conversation I want to get on the show you had invited me out to uh, your battery day. I wasn't able to make it, so I want to definitely follow up with you on that because I think you have some game-changing technology that might eliminate some of the hesitation and reservations people have about e-trucks. And so that was one of the things we covered. And I asked my man Lightning here, I said, hey, so uh, if you could charge your truck in 15 minutes, would that eliminate the barrier for an electric truck? I think coupled with, uh, with no range anxiety, uh, right. A short 15-minute charge, I yes. Uh, the barriers for me entering the market are, are or being a customer, I think, are, are much lower. Hmm. Yeah, I'm into it. I'd like to find out, though, before we get into this, yeah. his history. I don't know anything about Mark other than the fact that the dude is yoked. Have you seen him? Your dude. I mean, are you stalking our guests? I, I I think maybe. He's a good looking dude. He's got he's got like freaking he's got guns for days. And I don't mean like uh, so I, anyway, Mark um Well thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. What's your uh, what's your backstory, Mark? How did you end up as founder and CEO of Atlas? How did you are you an engineer? I, I mean, for what you're trying to Are you a mad scientist? That too. Uh, I, I mean, I would prefer the title of mad scientist, but in reality, I'm just an engineer. Like, I love trucks. I'm a truck driver. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of electrification, though, too. And uh, I saw this sort of opportunity to really solve a critical problem in that space and, and drive a solution here that, that can make electrification practical, uh, very specifically around trucks. But what did you know, Mark, that all the other guys didn't know. You know, when you're talking about the competition, I think we should speak freely. I mean, you, you're, 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 you're Cybertrucks, you're Bollingers, you're Rivians. You're like, what? Right. You're looking at potentially, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't a crowded market. There was nobody in it. Now, all of a sudden, you, yeah. got, you got players and you got Silicon Valley money. You've got OE money from, you know, the big boys in Michigan. What was your, your novel approach? Well, the, the novel approach was really to, instead of building a, an electric truck that's feels more like a compliance vehicle or an everyday commuter vehicle was to build something that could do real work because that's the most, I mean, that's the expectation, right? That's the most important thing to do that. You had to solve a battery problem and to, to put it in the best terms possible, we're solving a chemistry problem through a mechanical approach. There are two things that stood out when you and I had our conversation, Mark, and I think it would be a great time to jump in with that. I'm a truck guy. You're a truck guy. We both agreed that the problem with a lot of trucks is that the electrification going on, the technology isn't quite there to replace, let's say, your diesel truck that's towing your horses cross-country or something like that. And your right. answer to that was, if you want to change minds, you can't ask somebody to make compromise. And so your approach has been 
create a vehicle that has no compromise. And part of that is in your battery technology and your, your quick charge. The other thing you said that I really loved is we don't introduce new problems. You're only there to solve the existing ones. And I thought that was put in a way that I haven't really heard somebody in this space say that before. Right. It, it, it goes back to the first thing you said is if you want to change the world, then what you build has to be better. It, it must be a leap forward. It can't be a step backwards. And today, electrification is cool, but it's still a bit of a step backwards, and we just simply can't do that. Are you uh, an electrical engineer, mechanical engineer by trade? What's your backstory? Uh, mechanical engineer by trade, but uh, I've got experience in electrical software, a lot of different fields. You Can- may uh, have heard of, uh, well, you know, a lot of police officers wear body cameras. Mm-hmm. And- yes, I- I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Mark may know a thing or two about that. Do you want to talk about your your Leo, uh, kind of the side of the business pre-truck guy? Yeah, so I I kicked off sort of my professional career uh, developing technology and products for a company called Axon. It used to be called Taser. Uh, And I've done everything from basically build a Taser device or or what officers carry a, a conductive electrical weapon and stuff that into a 12-gauge shotgun shell round. That's that's where I started my career. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> He's yeah. one of us, and Lightning. That, He's one of us, yeah. <laughs> apparently. <Yeah. laughs> and then I, I, uh, I'm transitioning into, yeah, body-worn cameras, sensor systems, uh, integrating those with cloud services and, and mobile applications and touch software, hardware, kind of across the board, and, and basically building products that save lives. And at one point, did you... Did you have your own company? You were working for these others. You cashed out and you said, like, I'm trying to figure out how you ended up making the leap into Atlas and taking on this just giant Giant problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, I worked for Axon for a long time and then I, uh, I've done so many different things. I decided, Hey, it's time to sort of branch out and do things on my own. I don't do anything small. Uh, I, am not like looking to start off and, and kick something tiny off. I wanted to do something big and bold and I wanted to change the world. That's what I did for 10 years. Uh, and I thought, Hey, this is the perfect industry to do that. And, and you guys are doing something a little bit different because you're really focused on sort of the fleet user and on heavy duty trucks. Everybody else seems to be dabbling in the consumer space with uh, a, a truck that might compete with, let's say an F-150 or something like that, or a Nissan Titan or, or whatever, you're in a space that really is like heavy duty, super duty, and looking for that kind of capability with your product at Atlas. Well, what, what I appreciate th- about this is that he's going after the naysayer. Like right. he's going Dead after on. you yeah. and I, and all the guys are like, yeah. no, I dude, I, I drive a dually. Right. A, I drive a diesel guzzling dually, and there's no way anyone's going to replace it in my lifetime. I, he and I talked about this, and it was like, listen, I'm a truck guy. I, ha- I have reservations about the e-truck space. I'm fascinated by it. But I just don't think we're there yet. And, you know, Mark and I walked through it and it was like, you know, maybe if you want to get into you the know, battery he, technology. He's on the phone. Like, he can walk through it with us. Oh, now. Well, let's that, do right? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you going to go about this? And how is your battery technology different than the others? Well, I mean, it starts with, uh, and you hit the nail on the head there, right? Uh, diesel trucks are the benchmark. That's, that's what you can really tow with. That's what you can haul with, right? That's, that is the epitome of, like, the big sort of badass truck. To solve that, we had to solve a battery problem. We had to deliver a vehicle that can do things like tow 35,000 pounds. Uh, and, 
you know, drive for a range of 500 miles. And uh, we developed a battery technology that not only has the energy density in a pack to be able to accomplish that and the power delivery to accomplish that, but can ultimately charge in 15 minutes. And that charge in 15 minutes was the most important thing, right? That's if you're towing something and it's big and heavy, much like today, your gas mileage goes down. We don't want you to have to drive for two hours and charge for an hour. That's a compromise. But if you could drive for a few hours like you do today and then plug in and charge in 15 minutes, go use a restroom, grab a snack, that's perfect, right? That's this beautiful sort of coming together of, of technology that, that really shifts the mindset from, okay, diesel is awesome, but electric is going to be amazing. And, oh, now I only take 15 minutes to charge. Like, this is perfect. But hold on a second. But, Mark, if you've solved this problem, then you are about to be the wealthiest person that Holman and I have ever spoken to. I mean, he's this hoping is, this is a <laughs> that, yeah, that would be the hope, right? Yeah. But, um, but I mean, yeah. so you've uh, what we've all been hearing about glass batteries and graphene batteries and and, and all these different batteries. And, and you're telling us that you can charge it in 15 minutes. What happens to the heat? What I mean, there's so many. How is it possible that you solve this? Right. Is it scalable? Is it, you know, how compact is it? You know, there was a uh, a uh, opinion piece that came out. And if Tesla was to meet the towing requirements that they were claiming on the Cybertruck, somebody figured out versus what the battery density or e- e- electricity power density of their current battery pack is, that they would have to have a 5,000 pound set of batteries in order to have that capability. So coming from you, who is obviously focused on the battery side of it, what makes you guys different? What's the uh, the technology you've been able to unlock? So um, what makes us different is that we're not just buying stuff off the shelf and like kind of plugging it in and accepting what's possible. We're, we're taking, in terms of density of the pack, right, we're taking a cell phone approach as to how we package this. We're sucking the air out of the whole thing. In terms of how we manage the thermal characteristics, we've actually invented a whole new way of managing the heat or, or cooling of the battery cells in the pack themselves. Uh, and doing it in such a way that it works in Arizona, where I live today, or it works in northern Michigan, where I was born and raised, uh, it, you know, in the middle of the winter. And there, there's no compromise there. Uh, and we did that by we rethought how the battery cell was constructed. We rethought how you build a battery pack. We rethought how that entire sort of architecture, or that entire component, that big, large thing is built. You know, what? that's what makes us unique is that we have no history. We have nothing that says we can't do something. We just have a requirement. And my approach is if that's the requirement, that's what you do. Can you tell us about the battery? Can you walk us, kind of put it in layman's terms, how the battery is constructed and well, how let me it put it this different way. than a lithium-ion battery? We're really stupid, Mark. Can you make it like a picture book? <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to say that, but he was, he was picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, let's see if I can put this in the simplest terms possible, is that um, the way, uh, it, obviously, the, the way we're doing this is we're pumping a tremendous amount of energy into this battery cell, right, these individual cells that are inside this pack. In order to do that, you have to do things from a thermal management standpoint that um, allows you to perform this operation very safely. So. We have to do things like heat the batteries and cool the batteries in such a way that is very novel, very innovative in the industry, such that um, 
They don't explode. Uh, they can do this a lot, right? The ultimate goal is a million miles of life. Well, no exploding. Uh, That's no fun, Mark. Come on. you got to have a couple <laughs> yeah, of explosions here and there. <laughs> yeah. So in, in, I, I, can't give you, I can't give away the secret sauce, right? But, okay. Um, that's kind of the high level thing here is we rethought how you build a battery cell and a pack all the way down to the smallest component. And it's really centered around that is, is we're pumping a tremendous amount of energy into this and we have to manage that in such a way that we don't get, um, failures within the, the battery that are very common, uh, dendrite growth, like you did in the Samsung galaxies, you know, lithium plating and things like that, all these things that like cause problems. We, you know, we solve those problems or mitigate them. Are you concerned that at some point in the near future, someone will get your batteries and slice them open and reverse engineer them? No. Oh. That was a confident and quick yeah, now right there. Well, how, how do you prevent it? Uh, we do the best we can in terms of IP protection, right? So patents and things like that to make sure that, because someone's going to do it. And if they do do that, then... Uh, Yes, obviously, they'll have an inside sort of look at what we're doing, but if we're protected against that, um, then someone can't necessarily very easily copy it. And then uh, I'm also a big fan of running as fast as we can. So by the time somebody figures that out, we're already going to be working on the next thing. Gotcha. Now let's talk about how you've packaged the batteries, and is it can, is it fair to call it the skateboard platform? Is that somebody else's? Like, well, it, I, I would so most electric vehicle manufacturers today, including Tesla, have what they call a skateboard platform. So it's almost like going backwards in the sense that uh, a lot of cars say are unibody, but you essentially, with a skateboard, are body on frame again. Um, but the Atlas chassis, the XP platform, as you guys call it, is really cool. It has super deep frame rails. The batteries are all yep. nestled in between. You guys are going for a drive-by-wire system, which means that you can place the pedals and the steering wheel and all that wherever you need to. Um, I'm just going to go down right. the list real quick, and then you can kind of rounded out, but configurable battery pack, four independent traction motors, intelligent independent steering at each axle, as well as uh, configurable for power and payload, dually wheel and tandem axle options, a single speed direct drive gearbox, independent whoa, whoa, air whoa, whoa, suspension. Stop, stop. Did you just say dually? Yes. I am not aware of yeah. any of the other companies even talking about a right, dually. Right, and this is in their product plans. How can you build a truck and not talk about a dually? See, I told you he's one of us. I, yes. Oh, hold on. I'm high-fiving you, Mark. I'm high-fiving you. That's me. So, so 12 to 15 inches of ground clearance is variable thanks to the independent air suspension, regenerative yep. braking, and the chassis that you guys have, The I guess the, the prototype chassis, I it's cool, but it just looks so much beefier and more robust than any other skateboard I've ever seen. So I, I kind of want to... Impress that thought amongst our listeners that it's not a skateboard like a little thin something that you've seen at some of these other manufacturers. It's a truck frame with batteries and stuff. It it's, looks like it's 18 inches thick. What's the thickness of that? Yeah, what's your frame? section cross section of the frame rail? Uh, in the center there, it's 14 inches thick. Dang. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. But although looking at it in the pictures at uh, um, at atlasmotorvehicles.com. I feel like I'm looking at someone naked. I feel a little uncomfortable seeing it without the body on it. Just like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to stare at you like this. Not, not me. I'm thinking, hmm, if I had a remote-mounted steering wheel and pedals and we can do donuts in that thing on just the chassis. Oh, that would be great. Still not milk crates. Yes, totally. Best Atlas uh, video I, ever. He's done it. I know he's done I, it. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but within about a month and a half, you may see a video similar to that. <laughs> nice. When that happens, can we have an excuse? 
used to come visit you in Arizona. Yes, you can. (laughs) Now we're talking. Okay, so if you've got the batteries licked the way you have, tell us about the more traditional bits of the the drivetrain or the suspension. Who did you go to? Did you reach out to existing companies, or is everything ground up? Everything right now is ground up. Huh. I mean, for for example, you what you chose not to reach out to a Fox or a King or uh, an off-road suspension company or a or a Continental who does air, everybody's airbags yeah. on so the OE side. It seems like it would well, have been more cost-effective to reach out to existing. We we are like we're working with. Well, we're in conversations with Fox today about one. We're working with another, a, a couple of other vendors on the the dampener side of things. The problem is. No one builds something that you can just buy. Ah, um, okay. So you, we can't just like go to a vendor and say, "Hey, give me something that could hold, say, a thirty thousand pound weight right across the the truck, right?" Because we're looking at something that can move up to a medium duty vehicle. And because we can't do that, we have to work with vendors to build something that is custom to the application. So that means uh, selecting or actually, in our case, we're working on designing the airbags themselves, how that assembly works with the, the dampener or the shocks, and, and how that whole thing is structured in such a way that we can go from a vehicle that, say, handles 12,000 pounds to a vehicle that can handle 30,000 pounds of gross vehicle weight. So think all the way up to a Class 6 vehicle and developing a set of technology that is scalable in such a way that if you're a fleet owner, you could own a half, like the equivalent of a half ton truck to a class six truck and the parts inside there are interchangeable. Oh, that's very cool. That's smart. Now you have it uh, on the website says that will uh, the vehicle will be coming in 2020, assembled in the USA, and the starting price that you're aiming for is $45,000. Which sounds too low. I mean, honestly, compared to... The other things, other ones that are on the market, for what I'm getting. Well, yeah, so um, the, the truck most likely, and I'll, I'll throw it out there today, that it's probably going to come sometime in mid-2021, realistically. We have to update that. But um, in terms of the, the starting price, uh, we wanted to aim for something that was affordable for those those people that really use these trucks. Uh, if we were to go out and launch this for 70K, 80K, 90K, we really are we're segmenting ourselves in the market. We're missing this giant opportunity for those those people that really use these things for work, and they use them every single day. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we were building a product that was for the everyday person that uses their truck for work, and we weren't trying to price it so high that it was unreachable for them. And so how will I make a, a buying decision? Is it based on... Uh, if I say I need to pull this, then I'll buy the appropriate motor configuration, or how will I go no, through that buying process? No, so it, gone will be the days of trying to select your motor and transmission and the right gear ratio. What we want you to do is we want you to get on the website and say, I want to tow 15,000 pounds. I want to go 400 miles. I want four doors. I want it to be white. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe I want one other little interior option or something like that. Um, we haven't decided on those yet, but, and that's it. That's what you do. And then we come back and we actually configure the vehicle to meet that need. So tell us what you're going to do and then we'll configure the vehicle. And then the ultimate goal is to be able to do that and deliver a vehicle within two days. 
<laughs> wow. What? Is that How? because it's so modular? You'll be able to you take a base vehicle and put in the right components to upgrade or, or downgrade to wherever that customer's needs are? Yes. So on the website, you have a rubric. So you're, you're saying you're aiming for 120 mile an hour top speed, a five seconds zero to 60, and 18 seconds zero to 60 at max gross combined weight rating, which is really impressive. And then you've got trailer hitch towing capabilities at 6,000, 10,000, 14, and 70,000 pounds. Fifth wheel and gooseneck towing capabilities at 20, 25, 30, and up to 35,000 pounds. And uh, payload capabilities, 1, 2, 3,500, or 5,000 pounds. So again, if I want the max uh, fifth wheel and gooseneck at 35,000 pounds, what's changing on that other than maybe a dually rear end? Uh, Mostly it's in the battery pack. Okay. The 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 suspension system will be software configurable to handle the different loads. So it really comes down to how much power do you have available to be able to tow that, and how much does that vehicle weigh. Uh, so when you if you were to select the say I want to tow thirty five thousand pounds, we would give you essentially the biggest battery pack with a uh, vehicle dynamics configuration or, or a suspension configuration, motor configuration, traction control configuration, and battery pack configuration that would allow you to do that. And the idea is that if you get in a vehicle that can, co- that can tow 10,000 pounds and you get in a vehicle that can tow 35,000 pounds, the experience is the same or as close to the same as we can make it. So, so I'm looking at some of the options that you have on the website to make it your own, and I see air compressor that you can add to the bed. I see some. I would get that. I see two different bed that's, legs. That's all included. So awesome. Yeah. So you get air in the front, in the front. You get air in the back, in the bed. Uh, you'll get 120 volt and 240 volt circuits in the front and back. Wow. Uh, God. The two, the, the 40 amp. 40 volts. Yeah, 40 amps for the 240. Um, so you can run a welder off of that. Uh, you can also <laughs> oh, charge wow. a Nissan Leaf if you or a Tesla if you wanted to. <laughs> that it would be dope. Well, that's because if you have it as an RV chassis, you may be towing one of those behind you. They just charge it as yes. drive. Dude, yep. the first day that we see an Atlas charging a Tesla <laughs> on the trailer, it's a game changer for him. All right, uh, bed length six and a half or eight foot bed. I'm kind of curious about your cab sizes. You have a choose your configuration between a four door cab or a two plus two. Crew cab, what's the difference between those two? Um, uh, so the 2 plus 2 would be similar to um, a, an extended cab, really. And okay. then a four-door is a full-size. For the four-door cab, instead of the typical, you get a you know, front 40-20-40 split seat, and then in the rear you kind of have the same thing, but it's more of a bench. Uh, we're putting the full front 40-20-40 seat package in the rear of the vehicle. Awesome. Or in the rear seat. So you get that that nice comfort bucket seats back there. All right, Lightning. So I'm looking at some of the photos on the website, and I've come across two, and I don't know which one my favorite is. Okay. Uh, which, well, which page are you on? Here is there. the Dually. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn. I didn't. Oh, damn. All right. That's the Dually. I love Rear that. Rear three-quarter oh, of an that, Atlas that, Dually. Uh, the, the, uh, the fender is really sexy on that. I love mm-hmm, the lines cool. because the lines from the, the rear the bumper of the fender and, go wrap yeah. all the way around. Oh, you guys, yeah. Atlas... Uh, Atlas vehicles. Motor Vehicles. Yeah, with A-T-L-I-S, AtlasMotorVehicles.com. Right. Here's the other photo that I know you'll appreciate, and I this might be my favorite photo. It's a crew cab with a utility service body flatbed on the back. Oh, 
That's, how, how cool is that look? That's really good. Looking. Nobody. I don't know if I'm a fan of the diamond plate. I don't think that's. I mean, it's kind of retro, but that is that's beautiful. The service bed is yeah. is way cool. So here's the thing: is you and I always have this conversation about what makes a truck, and we argue. We just had we will uh, we just talked to Finnegan about it. We've talked to Freiburg in the past. We have our our five things that what makes a pickup truck. Did right? we finally decide well, on? Well, them? but here's what I'm saying: is when you look at the Atlas, which is. All right, Mark. Here's the deal. You're a truck guy, so so we're gonna we'll run this by you. Wait, wait, wait. Before you okay. run that, hold on. I want to I want to find some other favorite non-electric trucks because I want to see where he's at. Where's his headspace? All right. So give us some other fave trucks of yours. My favorite trucks yeah. that are not electric. Correct. Correct. Oh, uh, I'm a GM guy from you know Michigan, so I drive a, a three-quarter ton diesel pickup truck, a big you know 2500 series truck. Okay. But I'm also a big I'm a big fan of those uh I haven't seen any of the new stuff, the old classic Kodiak trucks, the oh, big four, yeah. you know, oh, yes. four, five, and six yes. trucks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, you have good taste. Okay, perfect. All right, so here's the thing, is we always have this argument where it's like the truck market is so scattered now, it's hard to define where the truck is. So we have created a five-step criteria, and you have to meet three of those things in order to be considered a truck. So I think we need to run the Atlas through that and see if it's a truck, all right? So, uh, all right. Wait, wait, here we go. Number five. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you uh, Longitudinally mounted drivetrain. I guess it doesn't count because this has batteries uh, in the middle, and then the motors are on the axle. So drivetrain is kind of uh, so yeah. sort of yeah. That's uh, all right. The ability for the chassis to have four wheel drive. Oh, so wait, was that number four? That was number four. Oh, number four. And then we need the ding, ding, ding because it oh, uh, I, it meets I, that. I can't do two. Once, <laughs> you no. can't do two. No, once. Just, you got the countdown. <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. Uh, one is uh, wait. Is this number three? Yeah, this is number, number three. <laughs> You're not very good at this tonight, I, are you? You just wait. You got to wait for me to go. Oh my gosh! All right, uh, number three is a bed separate from the cab. Yes. 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 Okay. Number All right. two. All right, number four. Is in no, it's uh, number two. We're counting down. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah we're going backwards because yes. you're you're all messed up here. <laughs> I'm all messed up. This is a horrible show. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> uh, all right, number four, number two, is uh, an open cargo space. Yeah, he's got it. All yeah. right. Yep. And number one. And number one, which is actually number five on my list, mm-hmm. body on frame construction. Yes, he's got yeah. it. So there it is. So Mark, that's four or five. The Atlas indeed passes the uh, Truck Show podcast sniff test. So you have, I knew it. I, there was no doubt. <laughs> you have indeed made a truck, my friend. Uh, the reason I the reason I bring that up is I'm looking at the utility bed, thinking out of everybody's trucks out there, everybody's doing it with a single body rather than your traditional pickup. And so what you lose out on is the fleet customer who may need to have a utility or service bed on the back. And I think to this point, the Atlas truck is the only one they've seen that has the bed separate from the cab that you could put a utility bed on the back. I now, think that's what, huge. Was there an internal debate over that, Mark? No. No? There was no debate. It okay. was a requirement. It will be done. I love that. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> you know, make it so. Mark, yeah, Mark has a, uh, a chair in his office and like plate glass windows that look down on people, and he's got this throne, <laughs> and he just every once in a while leans over at the people on the floor and goes, Make it done. No, he doesn't. No, he's got a scepter. <laughs> oh, a scepter? Le- he's got a scepter. He leans forward, and he knocks on the window. He goes, on the window, and they look up and he goes, "Make it so." Do you think that? No, it's make it done. Make it done. Yeah. Do you think his scepter is uh, electric? Uh, is it <laughs> does electric? he recharge it at night so that uh, it glows? How do you know it does? How do you know it doesn't have a taser 
Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, where the emerald on the top would be, that's the taser. All, yeah. all of, I hear all the employees at Atlas are wearing uh, Axon body cameras so that uh, Mark can make sure they're all doing their job every day. It's exactly right. Hey, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. So going back to the battery charging technology, which obviously is, yeah. is huge for Atlas, and, and that's your big news right now. Is that something that would need to be done at a commercial charging station, or will the technology be able to be based off a 240 plug or something like that at your house if you wanted to have that type of charging capability at your home? So uh, if you you won't be able to do that at your home. Uh, your home doesn't have – we're talking about 1.5 megawatts. Oh, is that all? Oh, <laughs> my God. Holy like, – Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yeah, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that was a dumb question. <laughs> no, it was a good question because I didn't know it. Yeah, wow. it was a great question. So you will be able to charge at home, just not that fast. Um and part of that is we're also developing the charging station technology <laughs> to be able to do that. Holman, Holman, you're you're killing the grid in Huntington Beach. <laughs> yeah, right. Cut it out. I pl- plug my Atlas in in the yeah. driveway, and the whole neighborhood goes dark. Tonight in Huntington Beach, we had a brownout <laughs> thanks to Mr. Holman, who's trying to charge his Atlas <laughs> well, truck. You know, <laughs> what if I plugged in? Uh, what if I did like you have you ever seen a Christmas story where the dad has like you know twenty seven things plugged into the outlet and it sparks and he like. It says Dang Nabbit a couple times, and then like all the lights come right, back on. Christmas vacation? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking like, can, yeah, yeah, can yeah. I when plug... they gotta turn on the extra one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, that. I'm just gonna get a bunch of extension yeah. cords into one big giant one, and I'll just, so I'll, you know, I'm gonna run a line straight from I, my I, power pole, straight to the truck. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's getting closer, um, <laughs> but not quite. Still not so, there. So, what kind of infrastructure will we need in the coming years to give us our fifteen-minute recharge? And will you be able to charge at, let's say, uh, Electrify America or some of those different places, or will you have to do it at an Atlas, like a Tesla supercharger? Will Atlas have their own, you know, infrastructure for charging their vehicles? Uh, so, there's two answers to the question. Um, first of all, yes, you will be able to plug into an Electrify America or any other CCS. Uh, 1.0 or 2.0 uh, enabled charging. Okay, station. EVgo or there's a, there's a bunch of those different types right, of things. Yeah, right? there's a bunch of those out there, right? Um, so you'll be able to use any of those, but of course they don't have the power rating to be able to charge in 15 minutes. So that's where Atlas is coming in, where we're actually developing, and this is hard because you have to invent this technology to be able to do this. The requirement is that my 80-year-old grandmother can use this. It's not an industrial application. It's not a giant robot. It's that my 80-year-old grandmother must be able to plug this thing in and use it and have it be very similar to filling up your car with gas. So to do that, we have to actually invent cable technology and the plug technology to be able to safely deliver 1.5 megawatts of power. And then to answer your other question, will we bring the grid down? No, the strategy is to basically create this box that has a battery in it as a buffer, as a charging station. We drop that in a location. We plug it into the existing utility infrastructure, and that is how we're able to uh, charge your vehicle that quickly. Oh, so it charges over a long period of time, a couple hours, and basically like a giant capacitor just unloads? Yep, and then when somebody plugs in, it just unloads. All gotcha. right, so, so, so wait a minute. I have no, a question. No, no, I have a no, question. No, no, I have a question. Hold on. Come on. I want to ask him about the, so the, the, the wires. I mean, you've got to have like a, a double-aught cable that's water-cooled. I mean, everything <laughs> everything gets warm at 1.2 megawatts. Yeah, so uh, 
it's it's really big. Now we operate at a higher voltage. We operate uh, currently at about uh, fifty or sixteen hundred volts um, at a thousand amps. <laughs> oh, so, wow, a thousand! Uh, that will yeah, absolutely just, just, kill you. Well, here's the deal. I have a well, feeling that I understand where Mark's going with this because in the snow belt, he'll be creating so much heat that you'll be able to find a uh, Atlas charging station because it'll be melted. Yeah, everything will be melted around it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got to so to 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 solve one problem, he has to solve another. So he and has to, like eight others. He's got to worry more. about safety everywhere, every step he makes. Right. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. In uh, in those charging stations, no one's going to stand there and man those. So we have to come up with a solution that is safe, it's reliable, and we can remotely diagnose those things. So if a charging station is has a problem, we know before the customer knows. All right. So going to the future of charging, you're talking yes. about cables and in the infrastructure that you have to invent. Uh, we recently went to uh, visit our friends at Cummins, obviously uh, a yep. big uh, powertrain supplier, and they're getting into the hydrogen, fuel cell, and EV space. And they're working at inductive uh, charging technologies, which have a wireless charging mat where eventually they'd like to see it where a day-use truck might come and swap trailers, and in the time that they're swapping the trailers, the batteries get recharged. Dude, can Are you imagine you? Like right. a dog or a cat walking across <laughs> like a microwave and just cooking it? <laughs> no, I can't. There's a <laughs> lot of power there, yeah. So is Atlas going to have, eventually, are you looking at that wireless charging space where somebody can literally park in their driveway and you don't have to plug in? I just in? can't get that out of my space. Why, why would Holman, you? Holman, what are you doing? I'm getting a suntan. It's <laughs> night while I'm laying on my charging mat. <laughs> well, I don't think that's what they're used for. Well, I'm just saying. See, this that is why we can't have nice things because you go and do dumb things with them, <laughs> and then you ruin it for everybody. <laughs> but see, I love it because Mark has to look out for a guy like me. Yeah, but Mark doesn't want to be a babysitter. Well, he's what do you think? Well, he's a shepherd, and <laughs> he has to make sure the lambs don't wander off. No, no but see, I want you're, to buy. You're on your own. <laughs> but I want to buy his truck. I need his equipment. No, and no, I need, no, no. Mark, Mark is actually going to vet everybody who buys his oh, truck. So wait a minute. To make sure they're not stupid enough to yeah. use dumb. Wait, so I drive all the way to Arizona. Yeah. I knock on the door of Atlas, and he locks it. Yeah, because <laughs> you you filled out you filled out the waiver, and when they did the background check, the lawyer said, "Nah, not, not so even. Much. Nah, not this so waiver. Much. This waiver is nope. not even good enough." So I heard this sorry like your face is already on the door at atlas saying do not sell this man a truck <laughs> he, he, oh, he, that sucks. he that cannot sucks. be responsible with this thing so let's since we're talking about safety what kind of a massive hurdle is it for your your traffic safety airbags and all that stuff because coming from your your former job i know you had to worry about safety but it was more personal well, how about safety? regulations in general well that's what i'm talking yeah. about i can't even imagine that hurdle that it's an enormous hurdle a lot of it is, is, is standards and practices that you have to follow, but then there is the, the safety requirements and the testing that you have to go through. Those are all big hurdles that we have to go you know, overcome before we start shipping product. Does that worry me? No, it, it really doesn't. Those are, those are things that are solved today, right? There's areas that are being improved there today. That's definitely not something that I'm incredibly concerned about. That's not the, the biggest sort of roadblock, I think, to making this entire thing possible. Okay, another question for you. The debate that happens on the internet all the time with the with the diesel fans, and I guess any any uh, petroleum-based vehicle fan, and then yeah. talking to someone who is a fan of uh, uh, electri- electrification, the argument that comes up all the time that I'm sure you've had over beers is, 
well, you're making batteries that come out of the earth, that do damage to the earth, and or you're using coal fire uh, plants to generate the electricity so we can charge our cars. So which one is worse right. than the other? They, I know it's a philosophical debate, but how when you have this discussion with, with potential either buyers or fans or naysayers, or did you even get in because you're trying to save the world, or did you get in because you think electricity is a superior powertrain or power delivery? I just want to hear what he, how he comes back to the guy that's saying you're mining stuff out of the earth and you're killing the earth, or you're 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 smoking up the atmosphere because the electricity your 1.2 megawatts is, takes a coal-fired plant or or a diesel generator to, right. to power my car. So to answer the first question on your digging holes in the ground and and all that stuff. That's intrinsic with anything that you manufacture, right? It's uh, when it's like material acquisition. The the wonderful thing about batteries is that uh, today about 95% of those is recyclable. We just haven't put enough effort into the process of doing so. Is that true? Which means, yeah, which means as we as we sort of progress forward and more investments are made in recycling, we get to a point where we, we reach this circular economy workflow where the battery and the, and the components in there and the vehicle itself, I'm going to put this as simple as I can, we could melt it all down and rebuild another one from it. So then how, uh, with, how do batteries go bad then if you can recycle the majority of components? What, what wears out in a battery pack? Uh, so typically it's degradation and like the the SEI layers, little paste that goes on the electrodes and things like that. Um, it's degradation in that over time. Um, and then you have to do some things, right, uh, to kind of reprocess that and, and build another one and then and reapply to another cell. And then there's metallic components in there. There's the lithium that's in there. All of that can basically be recovered. Uh, we just... It'll come as a more efficient. Today, right now, the cost is too high to do that. So, as more investments are made, that cost will come down to the point where it would actually be cost prohibitive to go out and continue to invest in mining when there's plenty of resources available with vehicles that are sort of reaching their end of life. So, I'm kind of curious. You have stated on the show and on the website that your goal is to have a million-mile life out of the vehicle. And yep. so, obviously, a million miles takes a while to rack up. For example, Nissan just had a, uh, a guy who bought a Frontier, new in 2007, has been driving right. for 13 years and hit a million miles, which we figured out is 77,000 miles a year. <laughs> yeah, it's great. All right. He's a courier. He's doing all- yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I'm just saying that's a great uh, that's a great case study for how long does it take on somebody who's using their truck driving every day to hit a million miles. So let's say it's 13 to 15 years in the the shortest amount of time. Right. Obviously, technology is moving at a rapid pace right now. Is it going to be yeah. something where a, a guy could buy this truck and he's 600,000 miles in 10 years down the line or whatever, and you have new battery technology? Are you going to be able to put the new battery technology will be backwards compatible? What's the story? How fast would it take to swap out some of those uh, components for newer ones? I won't make promises, but the ultimate goal would to reach that point where if a vehicle has not yet reached its end of life, that we can swap in or continuously swap in new technology as it becomes available. So it's modular in a sense. Yeah, it, the ultimate goal would be that as 
if your drive system breaks and we have a new technology that's out there and we can simply bolt it in, that would be the ultimate goal. Why, why not make that possible? The rest of the vehicle is still good. I don't see a point in throwing that away. If we can just simply come in and swap components and continuously upgrade these vehicles or these systems, that, that means you now have a vehicle that goes from, say, a 10-year life cycle to potentially 20 or more. Okay. So do you ever get uh, sucked into this vortex, Mark, you and your engineering team, where you're innovating all over the place? But right. do you find that, like, you, you, you ha- you're tempted to re-engineer a windshield wiper? Or, or like a no. rear view mirror where you're like, like, how can we well, not touch that? Or wait, uniballs, we should go with uh, some square balls. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> wow. I, I'm just wondering <laughs> it, 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 when you have to like pump the brakes, crew, pump the brakes, like let's just buy an off the shelf no, 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 upper no. control arm. Pump the regenerative brakes. Lady. Oh, see, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> thank you. I'll be here all night. <laughs> the way you make those decisions is actually fairly simple is I like to say pick three things that you're going to do three pick three problems to solve that are critical to to being one a differentiator two making a difference and three building the best possible product for that customer like solve three pain points and only focus on those and everything else that is not necessarily truly important or doesn't bring real like kind of core value to what we're trying to accomplish though it makes sense to use something that's already exists today um, that already solves the problem and doesn't necessarily need massive innovation. There's no particular reason to do so. That's not to say that we won't do it in the future, but that's, that's the approach. Ball joints or windshield wipers and things like that. Why spend our time on that today when that, yes, it can add a little bit of value, but it doesn't really, it's not a game changer, right? It's not something that's going to for, for the end customer, that's not necessarily something that's going to really be something where they look at it and they're like, man, I'm going to buy because that windshield wiper like goes an extra two degrees. I like his philosophy. No, I think it's solid. So uh, looking at your uh, your recent press releases, it looks like you guys, is it true you have $1.4 billion in, is it reservations already? It's probably a little more than that now, but uh, we have about $1.4 billion in reservation interest for both the truck and the platform today. Wow. That is exactly 1.3999 billion more than I have in my uh, bank account right now. <laughs> now, honestly, Mark, does that how do you feel about that? Does that surprise you? Is it ahead of where you wanted to be or um, is it scary cuz it's real now? Yeah. And now you I, you've got to make good on this promise. I don't think it's I mean it's it's scary in a sense that um, yeah, it's real, right? It's like, okay, people, we've, we've proven that we have kind of that product market fit. Now we have to execute. I'm not worried about execution. That that doesn't worry me. But it is a little bit scary in terms of like, okay, there's an interest there. People love what we're doing. We have a little bit of a cult following too, which is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's it's there. It, it proves that we're making the right decisions. It's It's a confidence builder, really. It's not so much scary, but probably in terms of like, okay, there's interest and people are committed and they want to see this get done, but it's also a confidence booster. It says we're making the right decisions. We're doing the right things. We're going to make a difference here. And it gets people riled up and excited and motivated. And I've never had a team that is as motivated as the team I have today. That's very cool. That's a high praise. Volumes. Yeah. Tell me about the, the lines of the truck. 
So you've got a lot of interesting inspiration baked into uh, the platform. I'm sorry, the, the, the actual look and feel of the truck itself. How right. did that go? Was it you? Was it your team? How does that come together? Because I can imagine a lot of arguments over the, the look and feel. Because you could have gone a hundred different directions. Well, it all starts with let's focus on what it's going to be used for and what purpose does that serve. And don't put anything in there that doesn't serve a purpose. The real sort of key to that is there's a couple of people that do the reviews, but the real genius behind the design is Ross Compton, our our lead vehicle designer for the, the pickup truck. He's also doing a number of other products for us. It's Ross is the, the man behind what that pickup truck truly looks like and, and what that kind of end vision is for, for the look of the, the vehicle and the brand and what we're trying to accomplish. But it's all based around purpose. So there's nothing on there that really doesn't necessarily serve a purpose. We try to avoid adding flashy things or, or unnecessary parts and components. If it doesn't do something, if it doesn't bring value, then we don't put it in. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm personally am inspired. You know, we, we have this uh, a debate quite often. I don't know if you get a chance to listen to the show, Mark, but we're 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 on the we want we're on the cusp. We're on the cusp. Like we're truck guys. We just haven't seen the perfect solution. There's things about Bollinger. There's things about the Tesla. There's things about the Rivian. There's things uh-huh. about Lordstown and 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 now obviously Atlas Motors. And it feels like until now, I haven't had all of my truck needs, I guess, really answered about. Towing and payload well, this and range. One, Atlas and is checking utility. the most boxes. Absolutely, and so I think it's it's really interesting and to, to Lightning's word inspiring that there's somebody in the space that isn't just taking advantage of the fact that truck guys are out there, but is actually actively trying to solve the problems that a truck guy would encounter by moving to electrification. And I've I've been not a naysayer. But I've just thought the, te- the, the, the technology wasn't mature enough to transfer to the truck space. But see, I'm glad that I asked Mark what he drove because he's, he's driven an HD. He's a GM fan. So yeah. he, he knows what the average guy, not the, yeah. not the 75. He knows not, the truck experience that the average consumer is looking for. That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, that, right. that is very cool because I don't feel that that's coming out of the other companies. Maybe. I mean, there's inspiration in the ranks, but this is top down. He's the truck guy. So that's pretty cool. And one last question. I asked you this on the phone when we talked, but I'd like to ask you again for the podcast. Are you going after building the vehicle or is it more important to license the technology out to other people building their vehicles? Well, he said he's working on other projects Uh, that he can't talk about. I'm just saying. Um, so, uh, the business is built on a model where the core technology will be licensed or will actually be built and shipped to others that want to build on that, that platform and that technology ecosystem. The, the real value is in the ecosystem that we're building, but in terms of the truck itself, we want to build it. I want to own that end customer experience. I don't want that disconnect. We want to make sure that we own everything about your experience from the day you wanted to get a vehicle to the day you replace it with your next vehicle, which will be an Atlas truck and everything in between there. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I I mean, those are all the things that I think you want to hear from a company. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about Atlas Motors, it's A-T-L-I-S motorvehicles.com or- You know what? You know what he has? So we always go like the Ford Motor Company, 
they don't use motors. They're engines. Right. This, this is engine. the first time right. it's actually a motor. <laughs> it's correct, right? Yeah. Motor. Yeah. And of course, uh, <laughs> at Atlas Motor Vehicles, both on Instagram and Facebook, and you guys are putting a ton of uh, information up on your socials. Uh, the website has a lot of information. If you want to find out more, check them out. And uh, Mark, I really appreciate your time because I think this is the deepest dive we've gotten with somebody in the e-truck space who has really taken the time to, to again, answer those questions that real truck guys have. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me, and I, I could do this all day. I, I could do this anytime. So, well, let's just let me know if you have more questions. You're in Arizona, right? And our, I have to ask before we let you go: Will they be built in Arizona or or elsewhere? Uh, so initially, they'll be built in Arizona, but I I love this concept of uh, micro factories and having them being built, or at least some part of them being built in different locations around the nation to really hit that two-day delivery goal. Understood. I got personally, I think it would be very cool to market built in Arizona. I mean, at first. Uh, you know, it's you've got assembled oh, yeah. and all that stuff, but I've never heard of a, a car being, uh, a vehicle being made in you, Arizona. You know they have a 42,000-square-foot uh, facility down there. I did not know that. So, I mean, maybe we need to go visit Mark. Would it, would it be okay yeah. if we cruise down at some point? Yeah, Absolutely. Like I said, the next month will be a fun month, right? We'll have that buck. We'll go drive it down the road. We'll have some fun with it. Well, let, let's keep in touch because uh, I know you'll be making some news as as time goes on here, and we'd love to uh, check in with you and uh, and see how things are going over at the old Atlas Motor Vehicle Company. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Appreciate Mark. It. Appreciate thanks, Mark. it. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Home, it's time to dance. You email? Yeah. Go Foreman. Go Foreman. Bob that head. Bob the head. Do it. Come on, you weren't doing it. Yeah, I was. Barely. Oh, because I was doing it inside. <laughs> but I couldn't see it. it yeah. I get into this uh, this segment when you're bobbing the head and you're like into it and you're your bowl full of jellies moving. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you must be looking in the mirror there, buddy. <laughs> Maybe. I... All right, read some emails. Let's do this. Uh, the subject line is. From Lars, come on, guys. Brian Loans also announces Drag Week. Oh. I know there's not many trucks there, but dude, it's gearhead stuff. That's true. You barely even mentioned it. Oh, well, maybe next time. <laughs> he sure has some interesting stories. That's for darn sure. Still a great episode, just giving you guys a hard time. On a bank's note, I'm wondering if Gail had something to do with building a race semi. I seem to remember reading about a supercharged and turbocharged 2400 horsepower Series 60 14-liter Detroit diesel engine in a magazine some years back. I'd be interested in hearing about it if I'm rem- remembering uh, correctly, Lars. So, yes. Um, that was uh, Mike Ryan's Super Turbo Pikes Peak Truck. It was a yes. uh, Freightliner... Cascadia. Cascadia. That's yeah. right. And if you just go on YouTube and you uh, tons of videos, you look under size matters two. You'll see him drift it. You'll see yep. him go up uh, Pike's Peak. I honestly like the drifting more than Pike's Peak. I do too. It's just cool. I do too. Seeing something that big. Yeah, and that was uh, that was badass. And up the, on the Pike's Peak one, well, I guess 
uh, they did some Irwindale Speedway test sessions, and it screams like the blower is yeah, so it's, it's loud, loud. And so bitching. Yeah, they had media day on one. It was just in oh, person. Oh, you went to that? Yeah. That yeah see, was I was crazy. not a part of that. I've never even seen the truck in person. Oh, it's love to. Unbelievable. Uh, I got one here from Tom Callis. He says, uh, day trip lunch. Hey, guys. My idea for a trip is Bayside Cafe in Morro Bay. Have to try the California chowder. Thanks, Tom. P.S. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Times five, but I don't think we'll no, run to five stars. Yeah, that's no, a lot. No. Uh, wait, wait, let me try. Nope. He says, uh, took my wife and kids' iPhones. Well, I'm guessing he took his wife and kids' iPhones to give us a five-star review. Uh, and hopefully they're oh, just not in the penalty that's box. That's why he's saying PS five stars times five because he oh. because he took it. But the way he wrote it just sounds like he Dude, so deprived he, them of their phones. He gave us five five star reviews. Yeah, apparently. Did, did so. you see our analytics I, like I, jump up? I actually, did. Okay, good. We're at like I think today we're at seven hundred and thirty six reviews. Uh, oh no, this one's from KJ Jones. That cannot be good. Editor of Diesel Power. Uh, why, why do you say it might not be good? Because he scolds me often. That is actually true. He's considerably smarter than I am. And uh, he usually just puts me in my place. That's okay, why I'm, I'm all for it. That's why I gave right, that to you. All right. Running on empty is the subject line from Mr. KJ Jones. Hey, guys. So your segment on running low on fuel made me laugh. I call it chasing the red stripe. For the record, as a practice. By the I, way, chasing the. Never mind. Yes, I get it. For the record, as a practice, I don't flirt with an empty fuel tank. I'm usually way in front of the red stripe and I don't run any risk of running out of fuel. However, there was one time when I was uh, behind on filling up and I found myself on the verge of running out of fuel. It got to the point where I was coasting in neutral any time that I could and shutting the engine off at red lights and praying for any fuel station to come along. I got to a fuel station and as I turned onto the property, like, like the right front tire just hit the driveway, the engine died. Uh-oh. I was no womp, more than womp, womp. 15 feet from the pump. Hey, that's pretty good. I literally had to push the dually to the pump. Always, oh, it was at a dually. <laughs> so that, that, must be, uh, that must be his old uh, OBS Ford. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, some dude saw me, and uh, they noticed I was stuck on the entrance to the station. They helped with a push, and so I almost made it. Almost. I got lucky. The engine started back up without fighting me, having to prime it, and or getting... The air out of the fuel line would have been another complete nightmare. Good show, guys. Good night, boys. KJ. Oh, right on. Does he listen to our show? Yeah, of course he does. Who doesn't listen to our show? <laughs> That's the question you should be asking people. Who doesn't? Who doesn't listen? That's right. There are a lot of people that don't. Well, you know. The reason KJ was writing about that in the last episode, I was on empty when I left work to come to the podcast studio here at Motor Trend, and it said 30... Eight or 33 miles, and it was 38 miles to get here, whatever it was. I was going to be upside down a couple miles, but I made it. Luckily, luckily, there was a little bit of a buffer there, and I just inched into the parking lot, and then Holman and I uh, went to go eat fast food afterwards, and I filled up. So <laughs> No, wait, was On it fast food? food? No, it was Denny's. Oh, was it Denny's? Yeah, it was definitely... It, it was, was definitely not good Denny's either. Like, it was too late at night. And oh, We got an out-of-fuel one here from our buddy Trevor. He says, uh, so... I was used to the way that the Chevy GMT 800 trucks measured their tanks because in high school, I'd push it all the time and occasionally I'd run out of gas and just leave it around my town on the side of the road for a couple of days until I got money to fill it back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he says, I'd get calls from friends saying, hey, I see your truck. Where are you? And I just have to say, oh, I ran out of gas again. <laughs> left it there. But that's not my main story. I say all that because when I had my company F-150 with a 5 liter, I was real low one day, but I figured from my GMT 800 experience that the light was merely a suggestion and came on with six gallons left. 
So I'm cruising along with the light on because I have a meeting, make it to the meeting, and after I go to get gas, I make it into the gas station to fill up, and it takes a half gallon more than the rated tank size. Uh, I've done that before. Oh, yeah. Which means you're pulling from, like, the fuel filter right. and stuff like that. <laughs> says, uh, well, the truck runs like crap after that, and eventually I had to take it to the shop. They said air got into the fuel lines, and they had to purge it. Oh, no. Uh, so that's my story. The lowest I've ever been, but still technically not running out. I was literally on fumes. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> I used to run out. I ran out three different times in my 03 uh, Duramax. Yeah. Yeah. The one that you worked on back yeah. in the day. Uh-huh. Dude, I would go over La Cienega where they had the oil yep. wells over yep. there. Yep. And it would die. And I was just like, if I can just make it over the hill. You I can go downhill the whole I way on the other side. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Didn't work. And I go, I can <laughs> just make it to that Chevron station. Oh. No dice. Low fuel is the subject line from our friend Ryan Evans at Wabasto. Oh, dang. Does he actually listen? Every week. And he usually writes us an email about once a week, too. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. No, he's, okay. he totally always has something to say. It's awesome. All right. What's up, Ryan? Hey, so my first low fuel situation was in my 1994 five liter. Uh, I ran out at a six lane both way intersection because I didn't want Meyer gas. Meyer, Mayer? How do you pronounce it? Uh, it should be Meyer. That's Meyer? a that's a uh, like a Midwest fuel station. Gotcha. Uh, I was showing my uh, SoCal pompousness. Is that what I was doing there? <laughs> you need to travel more. I wanted. Uh, it's I like wa- uh, the equivalent of what our Arco used to be back in the day. Oh, the crappy gas. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I Before wanted- they were bought by BP and became decent gas. He says I wanted mobile. Uh, again, same car. My brother drove it, parked it back in the garage empty. I made it maybe 300 feet out of the driveway before it died. Probably several times with my company car, well, truck. I had several SRT10 Ram trucks and <laughs> would sometimes fill up twice in one day. <laughs> Dude. Driving to and from dealers all day. I ended up carrying a two and a half gallon tank and used more than I'm proud to admit. I ran out of diesel in my parents' 7.3 liter excursion. Wow, this is a problem for Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was bad. Yeah, towing a car hauler full of belongings to Grand Rapids. One of those times it said 120 miles to empty, and then 60, and then 40, and then it died right on the highway. (laughs) Brother Trucker came to the rescue. Oh, no, he actually means Brother Trucker came to the rescue. Uh, Not not Trucker Jones? No, no, no. Uh, Drove us to get uh, fuel and came back. Took an hour, of course. It's probably been about 10 to 12 years once I learned how bad it is for fuel pumps and whatnot. By the way, I haven't run out in the Tesla. I was going to say, he has a <laughs> yeah. Tesla. Does he have the same problem He says, there? I know you're wondering. Yeah, I was going to ask that, actually. It's broke down for other reasons. Uh, he emailed me last week, and he's like, or did he text me? He said something like, Tesla's back in the shop or something like that. And it's like, oh, man. Now, I don't know what it would meet. Fundilischen Gruben? Uh, that's a German. Uh, right. For so something. Kind regards, I guess. I guess that's what's, uh, it's in his signature, so all his emails have that. Huh. Uh, here, how about this? I think, um, I want to call Ken Brubaker up. He's the uh, editor of Four Wheeler. Now? And, uh, yeah. And he and I have gone over, uh, uh, we've probably traveled, I would say, 10,000 miles together, cross country on various things. Nope, that's not true. One trip was 9,000 miles. Okay. And so maybe let's- Safe to say you know know each other's smells now. Very well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, I want Ken to uh, just just share some of the uh, scares I've given him over the years. Hold on a second. What is his favorite fast food? Uh, He loves uh, Del Taco because he can't get it in the Midwest. Okay. And uh, let's see. What else- um, I can. What hotels do does he like? Mo- oh, hotels. Ho- Holiday Inn Express. There you go. All right, so we're gonna call. We'll call Ken up right now. Okay. Yo, Mr. Ken Brubaker, Lightning Home and Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? 
Lightning, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. <laughs> we're great. So uh, we were uh, having this discussion over the past couple episodes, and our listeners jumped in with some uh, inbox, and they basically said, uh, hey, how far can you get with the yellow light, or who's got stories of uh, yellow fuel lights on? And I said, you know, I kind of told some of my stories. I said, but you should probably hear them firsthand from my man, Ken Brubaker, because we've traveled the country together tens of thousands of miles, and... Uh, we may have had a few situations. Yeah, well, first off, I'm sure you know many of uh, Holman's smells, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do. And, uh, the morning it, smells are different than the afternoon oh, smells. Oh, I didn't know there were I so know. many subtle nuances. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There really are. Uh, so you've been with him on more than one occasion and, uh, and, and fell in love with his propensity to write on E? <laughs> oh, I have many times, yes. <laughs> So uh, we started traveling together in 2005 and we start, you know, we jumped right in. We said, okay, we had just met, we had become colleagues at four wheeler. And we said, you know, here's a good idea. We'll get an, a Hummer H2 SUT and we'll drive it nine days across nine States and we'll wheel in 11, every state 11 along states. the way. 11 oh, it was 11. Yes, it was. All right. Well, my memory's gone after 15 years. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, and, and through that, that was my first experience with Mr. Holman's propensity for letting the fuel tank run down to <laughs> the light coming on, that's when he starts thinking about getting fuel. Well, so that's kind of me, too, and that's how that started. You know, I said uh, I left work the other day, and it said uh, I had 33 miles uh, left to E, and yet it was 38 miles to get here to the podcast studio. I thought, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it, and I made it. Uh, but then I asked our listeners has this happened to you? How often do you do it? And apparently it's everyone does it. Nope, not everybody. Ken fills nope. up with like a, uh, a third left. Oh, does he really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I start looking between a half and a quarter. Depending on where I'm at, what I'm doing, I never let it go below a quarter. And that's what was so surprising about traveling with Holman is, you know, actually it added, it took a mundane drive and made it very exciting <laughs> from time to time. But So wait a minute, is that fun or is that anxiety? Because I can imagine for you it's probably more on the side of anxiety. You well, know, sorry about, I'm, I'm, I'm in Detroit airport, so you might have a little background noise here. All good. Um, right. So, but, uh, you know, initially there was a lot of anxiety, but the guy really has it dialed in as far as knowing how far he can push, how far he can drive without it running out. Normally. There was <laughs> oh, one whoa, wait. There, Normally. So it's happened. <laughs> it didn't exactly happen. It, it actually was, you ever heard the term running on fumes? Yes. It was that. Uh, which time? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was the more we left Moab from the east of Jeep Safari at 4 a.m. I had to catch a flight in Vegas. So Sean's like, look, I'll give you a ride to the Vegas airport. We got a super duty diesel. We're going to, we're towing his willies on a flatbed. Now, we, now, Sean's not a morning person. So the first thing he says is, you're driving. So we roll out at 4 a.m. Mm hmm. I'm pulling into a gas station in Utah with between a half and a quarter. You know, he doesn't understand that. He was annoyed because he had to wake up. <laughs> there was plenty of fuel left in his world. Uh -huh. Well, he crawls behind the, the, drive, the, the steering wheel after that, and he takes over. And this was uh, probably the most memorable experience that I had. It was filled with anxiety because I had to catch a flight. And uh, we, we rolled right by Mesquite with a quarter of a tank. 
and towing. And, oh, and that's the last spot towing. to get fuel for a while. You yeah. bet. You betcha. And we literally. He's like, well, we can get fuel out there by the uh, uh, Las Vegas uh, Motor Speedway. Well, that was a long way away. And by the time we pulled off of the highway and got on the off-ramp to turn to the gas station, that truck was chugging. It was literally on fumes. No, 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 no. Did we make it to the fuel pump without the engine shutting off? We did. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. It was chugging the whole way. There, I thought there was no way in heck that we were going to make it to that pump. And that's what I'm saying. What I said earlier was he has an amazing knack for knowing just how far he can push it. And he did it again. He did it on H2 running that Hummer across the country. Um, we had the same experience on a thing we called Trip intense tour where we were exploring back country of arizona we literally took off on a trail ride with like a quarter of a tank of gas at like four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon i was like dude you're gonna get trapped at night so, so no wait, wait and we minute. got a flat tire okay so hold on a second after the road close gate oh exactly so wait a minute hold on hold on you said it's a knack as if it's a talent no it's just laziness he hates the gas station <laughs> i do but i also know exactly how far i can go no you don't yes i do you're just pushing no it. when i drive all these vehicles i know how many miles and what the fill up is for example a wrangler jk is notorious for having the fuel, low fuel like come on at like six gallons and I, so I can tell. I know after a few Phillips, all right, this is what I got to work with. I don't think so. You're just guessing. You're hoping. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm the master at running on, running on the. And you know that that's not good for the vehicle either. It blows air through the injectors, lightning. It blows them <laughs> right clean. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to have them primed. Yeah, with the fuel that you eventually get. No. You take it to a dealership. <laughs> I've never had that problem. You will someday. No. And I'm going to be live with the podcast uh-huh. and the microphone when that does. Nope. Nope. I'm a, I'm a master of the art. Have you ever run out completely? Just that one time I told you about. One time. In how many years have I been driving? Like 25? Mm. One time. I don't buy it. <laughs> I just don't buy it. All right. Well, thanks for the story. Appreciate it. <laughs> hopefully, you don't have pleasure. to. Uh, hopefully, you don't have to be trapped in a uh, another truck with him again. Hey, easy. <laughs> you know, next time you want to go off road, I'll be like, ah, oh, remember you? Uh, you didn't. You didn't want to ride along. And you'll be like, no, I didn't mean it. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm you... just going to make sure that you have plenty of fuel. That's all. Are you going to bring fuel cans with you? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ken. Well, uh, as always, you're the best. So uh, we will. Uh, we'll talk to you later. And thank you for uh, backing up my story. My friend Lightning here did not understand. He thought I was uh, making this up. So. Third-party validation from Ken Brubaker, editor-in-chief of uh, Four Wheeler Magazine, right there. Love the show, guys. Thanks for letting me tell that story. You got it. <laughs> All, All right. right. Have Safe fun at the, the airport. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye. GM transmission question from Brad. Uh, Dear Jabubli and Hubba Bubba, I have something I've been wondering about for a while as I'm looking at getting a new or used GM truck sometime later this year and shortly thereafter installing a decked system. Oh, well, please let them know we sent you. Yes. So what do you think of GM's 8-speed transmission, particularly when installed in the... (laughs) 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 (laughs
<laughs> sorry, I must be allergic to uh, bad. Dude, you it went yeah. way into the red right there when you're coughing into the microphone. Yeah, sorry about that. I was, I was allergic to something. Yeah, it hurt your ears, guys, in the car. Was, sorry about that. Just, that was yeah. Pullman. No, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Don't do that again. So, how did you feel again about that eight speed? What? What? Yeah. Okay. No, just go ahead with the the email. Gotcha. So you know, uh, you know the one that GM is being sued over for poor shifting. <laughs> anyway, I yeah. have wanted to avoid this tranny and can't wait until I can afford one of the new co-developed with four ten speeds that seem to have nothing but good press. Unfortunately, I can't help but seeing the rebates on the 2019s and discounts on the 2016s through 18s, the used trucks that still have an 8-speed, and thinking maybe it's not that big of a deal. Am I smart to wait, or am I blowing this out of proportion and the parameters are both mounter just fine? And just for application, I would be driving empty around western Montana for about 50,000 miles a year uh, for my tire distribution sales job. Yeah, buddy, Brad. Yeah, buddy. Holman, how are you feeling about that eight-speed? Is he wise to avoid it? Uh, or is it just did, a lot of hoopla over nothing? Let me see his email real quick. Where, what do we have here? This, I just There's one, one right thing here. I wanted to see because he was talking about uh, a used truck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the deal with that. We had an eight-speed truck in our fleet, and it definitely spent a lot of time with the dealer. I will say that the older trucks, the K2 trucks, uh, generation he's talking about picking up used, mm-hmm. wasn't a great trans, and even under uh, like wide open throttle, it would shift, and you'd hear the drive shaft go, bing! Oh. You know, um, it just, we experienced it, not my favorite trans. I'm not going to say it sucks, but it wasn't our favorite, and it definitely required some work. Now, the eight-speed... The newer version that's in the T1 trucks, which is the new body style Silverados, uh, you can get it behind, I think, the 5.3, um, and then when you move up to a 6.2, it goes to the 10-speed. That 8-speed seems to be much improved over the the uh, K2 version. Okay. So I would say if you're getting a current body style Silverado, the 8-speed seems to be pretty good. If you're getting the previous generation, Not might, so much. might hesitate. Uh, when it's working right, it's great, but we definitely had some, some issues with some uh, shuttering, Hard shifts, it just, um, it's nowhere near as nice as the 10-speed. That 10-speed's something special. So the takeaway is no older 8-speeds, right? Yeah, I mean, I would hesitate, personally. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that's the answer. You know what's nice, though? What's that? That uh, nice Nissan 9-speed that splits the difference. Oh, that's true. <laughs> We're supposed to talk about Nissan after the jingle. So right oh, here, all right, right here's when we say, write us, please. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And of course, you can always reach out to us on our socials, at Truck Show Podcast, or on Twitter, at Truck Podcast. No. Yes. Damn it. We have We that. have over 100 people now. <laughs> Amazing. 100. Yeah. Uh, I, we almost have the same amount that are on my YouTube page. I don't want anyone on. I want them on Instagram. At Truck Show Podcast. I want them everywhere. At Truck Show Podcast. Everywhere, Instagram. sir. And we're going to start posting some uh, some videos on Facebook. How about that? Yeah, see? So you do want them on Facebook. I do want them on Facebook. All right. Well, I, said I, I said just... I don't want them on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Well, if you are not in the socials or email, but you want to contact us, give us a shout-out on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, where you can give us some advice. You can give us some input, some feedback. Tell us a story. Tell us about why you... Dear Truck Show Podcast listener, love trucks so much. And if you can't remember that number, just go to Instagram, go to our bio, and it says call. And you just hit the call button, it'll dial for you. 
And on that note, I think it's time to close out the show with a uh, sincere thank you to our presenting sponsor, Nissan, NissanUSA.com, purveyors of mighty fine half-ton and uh, mid-sized pickup trucks, the Titan, Titan XD but and only Frontier. If, they, uh, if only if they had an amazing warranty. Like, I think... It's all about the warranty. Like you buy a, a, a beautiful truck, what, like the five Titan, year, hundred thousand miles, not good enough for you. I, I, what? <laughs> That's right, Titan and Titan XD, five year, hundred thousand mile warranty. It's the best in the business. Uh, it Come is on the best now. in the business. Yeah, uh, yeah we've had uh, a Titan and Titan XD for the last couple of weeks, and. Uh, it's a mighty nice truck to drive around. Mm-hmm. Not just them. the interior, not just the zero gravity seats, not just the Fender audio system. Or how about that nine-inch command center? <sighs> it's beautiful. It's I, in bedliner, uh, Utilitrack. I love the front end. I love the headlights. I love what oh, they've done with the Utilitrack. All good. I love the uh, the bedliner. NissanUSA.com. Everything. My dude, go to your local Nissan dealer and sit in one. That's I just please do it. And also, uh, go buy a deck system. Tell them the Truck Show podcast sent you, and then take a picture of you sitting in the drawers. Not not your drawers in the drawers in the, in the, in the drawers. drawers yeah right, exactly yeah, yeah so you get me oh go to the Nissan dealer take a picture of you sitting in the front seat and sitting in the drawers of deck system and I will personally send you a T-shirt that's worth it <laughs> for sure <laughs> nobody's gonna do that they might really you think somebody's I, gonna go dude, like do a like a, a selfie if challenge someone does that I'll sew them a shirt <laughs> <laughs> uh, decked all right our uh, our cargo management friends uh, they make an awesome drawer system for the back of your truck or van. And uh, we've got a set of uh, deck drawers in some of our vehicles and love them. 2,000 pounds of uh, payload capacity. They've got one for all the major trucks, correct? Yep. And vans. So And mid-sized trucks. Mini trucks, mid-sized trucks, full-size trucks, the just, whole nine. Just go over to decked.com and, and check them out. But what if my truck has a check engine light? That's a that's just, it's a pain in the ass. Black electrical tape. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, you just put no, it no, right no. over the light. No, no, You'll no, never no, see no, it. No, 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 yeah. no. No, Clear the code. Check it out using an Anova wait, wait. scan tool. You, you can you can clear the codes. Yeah, I N N O V A Innova dot com. Wait, you can make that light go off. <laughs> Why are we trying to be bad actors on this thing? <laughs> this is so ridiculous. <laughs> All right, fine. Go to Innova dot com and check out their uh, OBD two scan tools, their dongle, and their uh, they've got some awesome software for your Android phone or your iOS phone that through Bluetooth can connect to either the dongle or the scanner. You see that uh, you see that cardboard box sitting on the uh, uh, our, oh, our you our mean the one couch? that I brought you today? So I am very excited to try out my Innova scan tool. Are you going to pair the ultra affordable OBD two tool with the Repair Solutions two app? That is free. Why wouldn't I do it? From the Apple app? Why wouldn't I do it if it's free? Yes, of course I'm going to do that. Hey, you know what I heard? Uh, No. What? I heard it's like having your own personal automotive technician in your toolbox. You didn't hear that. You read it right off that piece of paper. Did I do a good job, though? No, it was awful. Oh. Guys, I seen the suckage meter. You've pinned the needle on this episode. Yeah, we did. I mean, you did. I was awesome. (laughs) 